all my friends, cousins, in, past and beyond Especially those who weren't with us too long Life is the most precious thing you can lose While you were here, the fun was never ending Life a minute was only beginning Can I call it niggas, this one's for you! Boys, we are back for another week of SVS Fly Fishing Podcast, and what is going on, my good friends, tonight? Man, I love that song. I do, too. That's why I said, hey, we're coming into Broham. You're like, what? What's Broham? <laughs> I just wasn't thinking that way. I'm like, what are you talking about? I know I caught you off guard. Yeah. <laughs> but, hey, tonight's show being brought to us by Predator Fly Gear. Check them out at PredatorFlyGear.com. Sims Fishing. Oh, my. I just spent a weekend... Long weekend up on a brutal, brutal area. We'll talk a little bit in just a second. Niagara River and my Sims fishing gear came in handy. I was dry, happy, and fishing longer, fishing it well, uh, no matter what weather came at us. So, hey, when you're out there, get your Sims fishing stuff at simsfishing.com. Yeti built for the wild. I have been loving my Yeti gallon insulated... um, I don't even know what it is. It's like a water bottle and a cooler. It had a baby. And I take a gallon of water with me when I'm going up to camp, just to camp whitetail hunting last weekend. Didn't see anything, but my Yeti cooler served me well for some fresh water. Hey, tonight's show is being brought to us live from the Urban Fly Company studios. Check Mark out at urbanflycompany.com. Hey, and all Mark's hooks are tied on A-Rex hooks. You can, if you're going to tie something, tie it on an Airx hook. You find it at airxhooks.com. Hey, check out Sims Fishing, man. Fish it well. Sims Fishing. I already did Sims. You, you did dumbass. Sims? All right. Well, hey. Uh, I'm getting paid twice. Jay, you went fishing with Ryan Evans, our boy, at Queen City Guiding. Uh, go check out Ryan. Love it, man. Love Holy that dude. Holy shit, dude. <laughs> I went into the... Uh, the his uh, right now he's all online. His new fly shop. Oh, went into the basement. <laughs> the fly. Oh my gosh. I ended up sitting there and just spending. I spent way too much money. 
I was like, I have this much money, cash left in my pocket, what Ryan. What can I get? <laughs> all right, give me some eyes. Give me some of this. Oh, he's like, oh, I got some of this stuff. Dude. Oh, shit. Now, I'll, I'll, all right, I'm going to owe you. So I ended up owing him for the next time. You were like a kid at the Chuck E. Cheese counter. I'm, it's on my, it's on my, uh, my credit <laughs> with uh, Queen City Guiding. Uh, hey. Awesome, though. Uh, man, I can't thank him enough. He was up at 1.30 in the morning. Trying to get a specific spot that we like to fish, and it's still so there were still guys there, and we ended up getting a different spot. But to even get that day, we, that day to get a spot anywhere was is, was uh, try, trying. So um, he'll walk a hundred miles for you. I know, dude. And he is he is, he's a grinder, and that's why he likes fishing with us because we're grinders. He grinds. It's it's a great time. So you were up at one thirty, and there were guys that beat you there. No, I wasn't up. They were up. Him and Justin were up at one thirty. I was on my getting up to go on my way there. But guys still beat you to Be, your spot. Beat them to the spot. Yes, sir. Wow. Yes, and it, you know, it's that's it's warfare. Mm-hmm. It's it is warfare that. in those types of places. Steelhead fishing is warfare. I don't care where you're fishing at. If you're fishing in a place with a lot of fish, it's going to be warfare. No, and every past, guide knows that in Pennsylvania, especially this past weekend. Yeah. Oh yeah. Those right. two days ago. Yes. Yeah. Dad caught a fish in one spot. It was a slow start. I mean, we can. We got one more. Why not fishing? Check out their app, the dock. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, we can get into it if you want. I mean, it's up to you. I want. We have an hour till our guest comes on. Um, hey, speaking of that, our guest tonight is Miles Nolte from the Bent Podcast and the Meat Eater Network. So uh, we're super stoked about that. Uh, we have a we have a guest in studio tonight also. Um, Mark and Jace could not hang out tonight because we're doing a weeknight show. Uh, but Jay's brother-in-law, Dr. Adam. What's going on, brother? How's it going, guys? Happy to be here. <laughs> and Dr. Adam Schroeder here. Yeah. So, but, uh, literally, Ad- no. Ad- Adam's a giant fan of the Meteor, uh, network, just like we all are. So, uh, mm-hmm. we figured, hey. Let's have someone that knows the content come in and uh, interview Miles with us. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I know Mark's been getting just overloaded with uh, tying flies and filling orders. And that's awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome for Mark. You know what I mean? And uh, I was like, I, I knew, you know, I was, when I, I was like, Adam, I, I kind of like had Adam on cue for this one. And yeah. It's like, dude, you got to come in and, you know, you're a good talker. You're an intelligent guy. Well, I don't know if I'm meant for radio or not, but... I'm you have a voice for, or a face for radio. Face for radio, exactly, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, um, no, I'm super pumped about, you know, Miles Nolte being on, and like you said, I'm a huge Meat Eater fan. It's a big reason why... I mean, I've always been an outdoorsman, and I like running and trail running, um, but just jumping back into the hunting scene has been a lot influenced by being a, a Meat Eater fan. Speaking of the trail running... Have you seen the recent video of the the big cat out in Utah? I've in Utah. I don't know. I don't know about that one. Go ahead. Uh, the cat that that chased the dude down. He chased that hippie. He chased that hippie dude down for like like a mile or so. And then the the dude killed him with his bare hands. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. no. That, that, that was, was in California. That was a while year. ago. Yeah, I think that was Colorado. Colorado? I thought yeah. it was but California. This one was this year. It was this um, about a month and a half ago. A a guy ran up and found a bunch of cubs. Uh-huh. No, it, the cubs, like, ran at him from the video that I saw, but go ahead. Yeah, but, like, he ran, and then the mama came, and she was pissed. Yeah. And she 
walked this dude down. It was a six-minute video. And I was watching it on my telephone in Pennsylvania. Uh, and I was nervous the entire six minutes watching this cat. Like, he, this cat was, like, sideways walking. Just in the dude, he was making eye contact with the cat the entire time, just walking backwards. And he said every time he looked down to grab a rock to throw at the cat, yeah. as soon as he broke eye contact, that's when the cat lunged at him. Like and the cat lunged like distance. outrageously like, like three or four different times at least. And he said the one time he turned his back actually and was walking a, like it with was his head kind of turned toward it. Cheeseman Canyon. Dude, this Utah. Yeah. I looked a dude up on uh, on Instagram and everything because he has Instagram and everything. The guys, fucking famous now. <laughs> but I mean, in instant. Oh my god, I would have. I would have just died. I Chad would have gotten eaten because he would have passed out. Oh, dude, I, my fat content is so high that cat would have lived for a year and a half on me. That would have been good eating. <laughs> I'd be like, look at the. I can, he could have. He could have lived like a a year off your pie face. Oh, my big fat pie face. Oh, yeah. Doesn't Absolutely. <laughs> what do you mean? No, no, no. no, no, no. This, this, is, this, is, this is what happens on the podcast. That's what you do. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's okay. Yeah. This it's is what okay. we signed up for. Yeah. But no, that, no, that's crazy. Side man. part, you know? Side part. <laughs> With, um, yeah, cats. It, well, what I've always heard is that the cat is what you're going to, you're going to die before you ever see it. Yeah. So, yeah. No, this cat was yeah. walking him down. So you oh, knew it was in, it was insane. You gotta you gotta look that up. Yeah, the cat wasn't shit. the cat wasn't hunting the dude. Right. It was pissed that he walked that up on the, the cubs. cubs mm-hmm. yeah. But it walked him out for a like it was six way minutes. longer than I thought that the cat was gonna yeah. follow. I thought okay, it's gonna peel off or something. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "This isn't cool, bro. This yeah. isn't cool, yo, dude. Like, yo." <laughs> he sounded like me yelling at a cat yeah, out there, like, and I'm like, "Dude, this guy's definitely a stoner from wherever the hell he's yeah. at." Hey, big kitty. Hey, you're a good kitty. <laughs> hey, big. Hey, come on, kitty. Hey, be nice, man. Hey, this is a cool dude. Yeah. He wasn't calling it all cool cats and uh, what, cool cats and kittens. No. He didn't say that. <laughs> yeah. No, he didn't. He didn't seem like he did math. He well, was like those black he wasn't bears. He that bitch Carol Baskin. Yeah. Those black bears that came up on us in Benazette. Oh yeah. They they didn't give a shit that we were there. That I was yelling at them. Well, you had marshmallows. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I they, watched them rip apart the marshmallow. <laughs> yeah. Very closely with your mom. That was that was that was cool. Mom was on her game. She she was trying to I'm like get the fuck out of here. <laughs> us. But yeah, it was it was scary. Yeah. So Jay, we yeah. we are kind of on a time crunch. Yeah, dude. It doesn't. I don't have to talk too much about this trip. It was no, fun. No, I'm I'm not saying time crunch, but like we we do have a. A sure. solid hour, yeah, which is in forty-five minutes. So we have. Oh God, there's plenty of time for me to. Yeah, talk. we have enough time to, for you to elaborate on everything. No, it was. Uh, I do. So there's a funny story about the beginning of the trip. If you guys want to hear that for half a second, absolutely. So yeah, you get up really early. Wait, you know, is this is this after you came over and drank beers with Mark and myself? No, 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 no. No, I I, I went to bed early after I came and drank beers with yeah, you. Yeah, you came and drank beers with us. So this is I after too that. Fucked up. This is I mean, after I was, that. I was a little loosened when I got to you guys. Yeah. My wife fed me when I got home. I got less loosened, ready for bed. I was probably in bed by ten. Slept for four hours, maybe. I was so you know you're so giddy and pumped. So you sleep for two, three solid hours, and I like the last hour. I'm just like, uh, my my alarm's going off for like yeah. an hour. I'm like, I I can't it's sleep. Time to go like, again. Uh, you know, so I got up, on, you know, and the guys are, you know, dad and them are pulling in. I'm still in my underwear, and 
you know, I, or I already planned this one out. Like, I knew when my dad said he was going to be there at, like, 2, and I'm like, I'm not getting – PJ ain't going to be here until 2.30. I'm, I'm going to wake – these guys are going to wake me up in my undies. <laughs> <laughs> it, so, it wouldn't be the first time. No. So dad wakes you know, – Dad's will be already the there. He's, he's, in, he's in his fucking waiters waiting for a fucking three-hour <laughs> fucking trip, you know. He's going to sit there for two hours and 45 minutes in his fucking waiters with his fucking rod already – Readied up with his with big bobbers already. Big rigged. bobbers already. Ready. He's ready to run down there and get to fucking you know get to work and you know and dad you know how dad is he doesn't fucking play around. That's why he, he always gets the most fish. You're right. He yes you're right. You're right. He's the most pumped. He is. He's the hype man. I yeah. noticed. You know. I noticed it, today you were saying this about me a little earlier about me being a hype man about me being somebody who like is always hype about going fishing about you know I'm trying to like I, we're we're catching a hundred fish today you know every day we go out we're catching mm-hmm. just all the fish and we're catching the biggest fish and like or we're gonna kill a giant deer or this is gonna happen like it has to happen today you know what I mean and yeah. I like that you have to have, I like that mentality in somebody well, yeah I saw in my dad this weekend with because he had a friend around his but his buddy fishing friend was around Brian came up with us. And uh, so I, I saw it when my dad, like my dad was the hype man with all of his buddies. There, He was the reason they all wanted to go fishing because he was hyped. He was the one like, oh, we're going to go, we're going to go hose them today is what he would say. You know, <laughs> we're going to go hosing, you know, and we're going to go catch a hundred fish, you know. And so I, when, I, when I, went I to college, that in myself a little bit. When I went to college, I used that term for uh, slaying Fat girls. <laughs> we're going hosing. We're going hosing. We're going to hose them tonight. <laughs> you know? We always called it hogging, but either way, it all works, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you need <laughs> you on. need that optimism. Oh, nice. That, that nice. goes to hogging. But, yeah. uh, you need that optimism. You need that enthusiasm. And, the, and it's infectious. And that passion. That passion's infectious. And it's... It can get boring if you don't have it, man. Yeah. I mean, you need you need the hype man, and that's that's oh, you, brother. You know, and to feed off the rest of the people around you, especially in that like, when you go to the Niagara, it's tough to sit there all day, take the brutal wind. The br- it's brutal there. Yeah, it is. More like the, the rocks, the rocks hurt. Yeah, and you're climbing over rocks, giant rocks, the whole time you're there. It's not an easy walk. You're literally, if we don't have a rope, we're not rappelling down the hillside. To the spot that we want to be in. So you have Did a you rope get and you're climbing gear. Repel? No, you just you just basically like hold yeah. the rope and you, get your. You're like redneck you're repel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just we can get you some more sophisticated shit. Well, I'm just, <laughs> you might need it. I might need it for dad later in life. Uh, yeah. But it, you're just it's not very far down. It's only yeah. 20 feet or 30 feet. But still, you fall. You're gonna break your back. Well, 20 or 30 feet. You're gonna fuck lot. yourself up. You're gonna fall. If you're you gonna fall, if you fall in the river, <laughs> like you're really screwed. Now you're hurt and falling in ri- water that's 12 feet deep right off the bank. And it's ripping. And bro. it's ripping and yeah. boiling and intense. So you like, if 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 a gusher's going through, if if the eddy's letting out at the moment, oh, you might just be down the river. Who so, knows? It's, hey, it's very intense. Jay, before you get into like chronological order of the trip. Uh, Sunday we were doing a podcast and we were talking about you. What was the weather like on Sunday? Because I know what the forecast was. They were calling for 70 mile an hour winds and 30 foot waves on the lake. So the early morning, man, the early morning was hot, 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 hot. Was Sunday your first? What day did you start there? Well. I, we we left uh, Saturday morning. It, it was Saturday Friday morning, night. Saturday, Saturday morning yeah. was 
would be your first Saturday day. morning at like okay. 2 a.m. Well, Saturday morning at 6 when we got there. Okay. You know, or whatever we started. Mm-hmm. If chronological would be better, that's fine. Yeah, we'll do that. So, like I said, they woke up early. Uh, actually, they went to another local steelhead stream on Friday, uh, Evans and Justin, and hooked up on 45 steelhead, dude. If anyone, these are real numbers, dude. And if you if you want to get a steelhead guided trip, go see Evans. You know, if it's the right day, you're gonna catch that many fish because he'll grind. He'll we'll walk to him. He knows every spot in one of the best streams, all the streams up there. If anyone wants to know who our buddy Justin is, just tune into two weeks ago's podcast with uh, Josh McQueen. He's the dude that Josh said needs to shave his upper cheeks. Yes, <laughs> Justin is a steelhead guide and yeah. uh, uh, one of the. Um, he, uh, he works at, uh, Mad River Outfitters. Yeah. Yes, exactly. He works for Mad River Outfitters, and they have the, I'm not exactly sure what the guide service is now. Ohio Guide Services, is maybe? He's he still in Columbus? Like <clears throat> yeah, he's yeah. still in Columbus, so okay. it was a long drive for him. But anyway, he went up a day early, and they fished a local trip, you know, like a local just steelhead trip, normal steelhead trip, out of Erie in the Buffalo area. And, man, and it's a great trip. Me and my dad went there and fished with Evans one day as well and did real well and caught a beautiful brown trout, a few steelhead. They actually had they had an epic, perfect day, and they said there were just loads. I think what happened this year, not to go off on anything, but the steelhead in this year, like even in our local trips, there are just bunches of fish in the tributaries, and then the water went way down, and then the fish were all stuck right where the hell they were at. You know what I mean? And every every pod had, or every little hole had, bunches of fish in them. Mm-hmm. Because we had no water, no water, no water, no water, which meant fish just sat and staged up in front of every creek mouth. And then a ton of water. And then a bunches of water, so every fish that was stacked up in front of this creek mouth, they didn't get to just trickle in here and there with little rains. They just had to ball in all at once. So now you have a fucking shitload of fish in a trip that has no water in it, and they still got to eat. Yeah, man, they gotta eat and they they gotta they gotta make sex. Yeah, so you know you're gonna so they, very they nice. caught they caught very, very, very nice. nice. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Adam would fit in very yeah, well. I, with I, this I knew people. it. I knew it. So you know they caught a bunch, man, and that you know one of those epic steelhead days you get where both guys catches twenty fish and that you know we haven't seen in years and mm-hmm. awesome for them. When they said that, I was just I was stoked, dude. I could I don't care if I was there or not, but just pumped. I'm awesome. awesome that you got to go there and catch fish because that's a cool-ass trip. I loved it. So we get there next day. They wait. They don't even go to sleep, really. They, like, like passed out for, like, an hour on the couches and the chair. Woke up. Evan said, if I go back to sleep, I'm going to sleep till 4. And <laughs> so they didn't even sleep and go down to the river then and still got beat at, like, like literally like 1 o'clock in the morning. Still beat to the spot. Wow. And... That's what happens when you blow it out on the SVS Instagram page. I know, dude. Mm-hmm. I, I, you, need to stop <laughs> you need to stop posting pictures of me holding Lakers in the air. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, so, I know. Apparently. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, they go. They don't. But so then they go. Jace caught that, you know, beautiful, beautiful brown. Yeah, we talked about it last week. Yeah. yeah. And so they went right where he was at and got a great spot right there and. Dad caught a steelhead, but it was slow. It was. It was slow. That, there weren't a lot of people catching fish. 
Like right above us, there were some people catching some fish, and then um, that's a weird place to fly fish. It's you it's, know what I it's mean. It's tough. It's made for well, other other forms of tackle. If if there's a little bit of mud to the water, the fish will get in close, and you can fish kind of like at a at a nine foot to eight foot level. But if not, you have to be like out a little further, and then there's yeah. a drop off right there, a cut, and then now you're fishing at like twenty feet. And the pinners can fish that way because they could set like yeah. a a slip bobber. Yeah, a slip bobber and all that shit. And like you, we just can't fish like that. Yeah, it, it's hard so for us. That's we, me and Evans were like, he's like, hey, I'm gonna take a walk and. So what? Do you let me interrupt take, if you don't mind. What's a pinner? Is that a gear fisher? No, it's um, it's it's, it's a, a lower center pin form rig. of life. Jace used to do it a little more often, but he's moving away from that a little more and more. I see it. So a center pin is a, a long rod. Okay, you explain the center pin. I gotta take a pee. That's fine. Mm-hmm. A center pin is a long rod that has a reel on it that's totally loaded with monofilament, and mm-hmm. it's like free spool all the time. Like it's always free spool. There's no drag, no resistance on the reel. Mm-hmm. So when the dude casts it out, it's like free spool, and then he can make a drift, and then he could let it drift downstream of him as far as he fucking wants. But he's getting a drag-free drift because he has such a long rod. He can hold the monofilament above the water. Mm-hmm. And it's, like I said, it's just a lower form of life. Um, <laughs> the dudes that do it always, you know, they have, like, egg slime on their Sims jackets because uh-huh. they, they, they use, like, skein and stuff. Well, back up a little bit so, so I'm so not. <laughs> is, this on, is this on gear or is this on a fly rod? It's on a center pin rod. It's a, a center pin rod. Okay, it's, it's a, a whole different spe- thing. A specific rod unto itself. Okay. So um, the center pin rod, like I said, it's a longer rod. Mm-hmm. The one Jace uses is relatively heavy. He calls it a tuna stick. Uh huh. So it's, I think Jace's is like eleven feet long, mm-hmm. but it's a relatively heavy rod. Uh huh. Whereas the rods that Jay and I are using are nine feet in length. Right. And uh, they vary in in stiffness from brand to brand, but we normally run what's called like an eight or a nine weight. Sure, sure. Yeah, he gets, uh, he understands the weights. Yeah. Jace's is a 13-foot rod, though. 13-foot. Okay. It's, and so and that, especially that one. He has two of them. I think one's a little shorter. Uh, like I said. That he uses in Erie, but that one that he uses up there is like a 13-footer, and it's fucking heavy. Yeah, he, he calls his tuna stick. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know if that's a brand or what. It's no, it's not. No. It's just what it's he calls not. it. He just what he calls it because it's like that big around at yeah. the bottom. It looks yeah. like a catfish rod. Kind of like so, my wiener. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like yeah, like about the size of uh, yeah, like this little guy. Yeah. It's on the table. Here. Like yeah, a tube exactly. of super glue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the little super glue thing. All right, so that that kind of rod, that's what you're using so, in the northeast certain, for like steelhead. A, yeah, but no, they shouldn't know. That's the only that's what place. Jace uses. That is the that's only. What Jace uses hold on, for hold on. I think that's like the only place that you should actually really is even that that you should use it there. If it you're gonna makes use, fucking sense there. Yeah. That's a giant river, and it honestly makes sense there. It, it does. does. It does make sense. You know, there, um, the Columbia River out west. If, yeah. If people were out west, you know, the Columbia, like the bigger watersheds. Yeah, you know giant I mean? watersheds. Like, I saw some guys with those on Crooked Creek one time. 
<laughs> not to I've blow seen, that spotty too, but who gives a shit? I don't go there. I've seen people with them on the Shannon Creek, and or 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 like <laughs> or even a guy on Elk Creek with a fucking pin rod. Like, what in the hell are you doing? Like, you don't need you at that rate. Just get your spinning gear out and use a spinning rod or whatever else. I'd use a spinner to be honest. At that point, I mean, come on, you don't need that thing here. It's a little tiny places. You, do, but in that place, like or that pl- like the place you're looking at each other on the wall. That's a big, big place, and that place could probably, you know, pinner makes sense. It makes a little bit more sense on big, big water. You could take a big, long drift. We don't like to do it just because I tried it, and I hate it. Mm-hmm. I think it's stupid. I fumble the reel up. The reel's all stupid. I'm, I, I feel so much more comfortable, and I'm better off with a fly rod in my hand in any situation just because of the comfortability. You know what I mean? Like how I... Because you're used to it. Yeah, I'm so much more used to it. Sure. So... It would be like you with a, a bow in your hand in comparison to a crossbow. You know what I mean? Yeah. But going to back to like, so we moved spots. Evan and I was like, all right, I'm like, all right. I, I woke up from like an hour nap that I took on a log. There was a, tr- okay, there was a tree, dude, and the roots. This root had a nice, perfect little like hammock style to it. You're fine. Keep talking. Oh, it had a nice little hammock style to it. And, uh. I'm like, oh, I gotta take a nap. <laughs> I gotta go to sleep, dude. I'm dying here. Like, I've fucking dabbed for the last like four and a half, five, six. Uh, who knows? Since I woke up this morning, I'm fucking ready for a nap. Like a midday. Like nobody's catching shit nap. You know? Are these your little dabs? Yeah. Well, anyway, no, 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 no. But no, those are BBs. No, those BBs. It, I thought it looked like a BB, and when but, you uh, said it was liquid gold before, I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so we uh. I take a nap, and then Evan's like, we got to move. So we walk up, and I we walked up to a place where you can fish off, like, a bunch of rock ledges. And, like, right underneath you, and now it's 12 feet. And it's a lot more dangerous, but you're fishing right underneath you, and you could, like, a fly rod fisherman now has the advantage because now they can fish right underneath them with a really nice drift or swing flies in situations and... uh. I liked it, you know, we went up a little higher, and it worked out better. Like, my dad, we went down there. I caught a fish right away. Justin hooked a fish, lost it. I caught one. My dad moved up into, like, a nice run where he'll read water and sit there, and then he saw where he wanted to be, moved into a spot where he felt like he was going to be comfortable, and then here you go. Rick's on a tear. All of a sudden, he fucking hooks up on two. Now, you know, boom, boom, those fish come out. I'm like, oh, dude, dad's doing, oh, you know, son of a bitch. And we've hooked, <laughs> I, the, biggest, the biggest lake trout I've ever seen in my whole life was caught by uh, Jake Grove right in that same spot, that exact spot. And it was so much fun. Like, we were just hooking, you know, he was hooking fish like crazy. So now you're having a little more fun. I hooked one. I got a little one in, you know, and... Okay, now we're hooking fish. Okay, now fish are being saw. Okay, a little more fun. Dad did catch one steelhead down at Penner Beach earlier. But uh, we were up there, and it, it was going good. And it's getting a little later. Those guys moved down a little further into another spot. Some guys moved out of that I also like frequenting because I caught a bajillion steelhead out of there the one year. And uh, But we I stay up with Dad and Alex. Alex, sleeping angel, one of our <laughs> other buddies, you know. He comes, okay, so he comes, but but hold on, I want to, I, and I said I would tell, say this on the podcast especially, he comes with a backpack full of fucking beer. Oh, <laughs> my hold on. Where was he when no, I came up and, there? and dude, 
a, a, I mean, a, two bags full of two sandwiches for each guy. Wow. Like, dude, like, I got a, I got a, I got a, a junior bacon cheeseburger and a fucking chicken sandwich and a bunch of beer. And now, the, now, now, every, now everything's going good. You know, he was the hype man. Yeah. Like we we're talking about earlier. He came down like another hype man about halfway through the day and was like, shit's going to go good. You know, and what the fuck is that? This is some. So the the sandwiches in the bag made me think of this. I got some jerky in my pocket. But <laughs> so so Alex comes down. He changes the whole vibe. You know what I mean? And then we start like as then we started catching all the uh, you know started catching the fish. And then you know like I said, Dad's going on a tear. Dad catches a third. I I start moving up by where Dad's at. You know, <laughs> and I start inching in as, as I do. do. <laughs> I'm like, I got a fish closer to this guy here. He's got Brian in there trying to catch him. Brian can't get any. Brian gets snagged. They have to retie. So when they re- you have to retie, I walk up there for a second, start fishing through, and not- don't catch anything. Well, I'm up there with my dad. Dad hooks up on fourth fish. He catches fourth fish. And now I'm like, oh, my God. I got- I- I- dude, get the hell out of here. Like, I'm catching a fish, dude. I'm catching another one. I want to catch another one. So he hooks I up. Need one. He hooks up on fifth fish, and and I was down below him, and as he hooks up on fifth fish, I'm like, dude, f this. Like I, so <laughs> I'm like, I'm like Alex, watch this, dude. I'm we're gonna double up, dude. I swear to God, we're gonna double up. I walk up into his spot where he was at. I'm I fish through two perfect like. If anybody's ever been there, the water boils like weird. You have to catch right drifts. You you might as well just wait half the time. So what's it do? Like, it pushes in and, out, and then it pushes out. Yeah, of, it fills. Of the it basically fills out like an eddy will like fill up. Like, like a you'll lake. watch it fill up and fill up and fill up. And once it gets so full, like all the water just like pushes out, and you can watch like it almost like runs like a river now and runs down. And then all of a sudden, like you'll get spots and where it'll just you'll get spots where it'll, like boil and just like nothing will happen. Your indicator will just like sit there and like move back and forth and with like four inches. Sometimes that's good. And, it works, but and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, it depends on exactly where you're at. But there, it was good on that like that run. So I'm like, I got two good runs through, and I'm like, oh man, I didn't hook one, didn't hook one, and I wanted to hook up on a double, you know, bad. And what you what did you say where your indicator was? So so I I run through like two great drifts, and then like it went to like stupid boil mode again, and I'm like, I looked well that fish had come close enough to where my he he couldn't have netted it, but it was getting close to netting. Like the indicator was out of the water. So at this point, okay, now, so I look over, like, to try to, like, just see what's happening, you know? I look over, I'm like, oh, they're going to hook, the, they're going to net that fish, okay. Well, I'm, my indicator's probably a foot and a half out of the water, at least. My flies but are... But your eggs are still in the water. My egg and white death, which got hit, is still sitting in the water, like, down, I'll say, at that point, seven, seven, seven feet in the water, right on the bank. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I feel... Woo, 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 woo. Like, just head shake. Woo, 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 woo. <laughs> Boom, there he is. Ah, the fish goes nuts. Alex looks up at me. He's like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, yeah. Hey, Adam, have you ever seen one of these lake trout? I have seen, I've caught a laker when I was, um, it's probably like nine years old or something, but in the lake, in on in Lake Ontario. So, if, if you think about them, they look a lot like Jason. Uh-huh. Yeah, like, they have a beak. Yeah, like uh-huh. that comes oh, out. Giant nose. It's a giant nose. It's not like your big flat nose. It's like my big pointy nose. Yeah, yeah. 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 So when like you your think wife's. about these lake trout and yeah. Jay's talk, <laughs> oh god, oh Jesus Christ, Jay, <laughs> this is podcast equipment. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good stuff for it. That's why we don't have po- that's why we don't have beers on the podcast table. But so when Jay's talking about this this giant lake trout coming up and eating mm-hmm. a fly, 
Think about Jason coming up and eating a fly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my my experience was just having having gear out there in the middle of the lake, and the guide telling me to pull up the rod. But I, I would love to see one hit in the in the river. That'd be cool. Oh yeah, man. I think next it's pretty year. Pretty cool. Like, I think next year I'm I'm getting up for the November trip. It just it interfered with the. Um, Have you been in the family long enough to be allowed to do this? I think I'm allowed. <laughs> this year it interfered with the Saturday Sunday archery hunting, which was a major bust for in me. In Pennsylvania, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But Pennsylvania, the speaking. I mean, just if anyone's out of state listeners, these uh, antiquated blue laws there. This is the first year that Pennsylvania is allowing hunting on Sundays for a few select Sundays. So I, I try to take advantage of the Saturday, Sunday up in up in Forest County, but I, I had a bad weekend. I didn't see much of anything. I know one dude that shot a buck Yeah. on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. First one ever. Yeah. <laughs> so, so when you hook a double up uh-huh. right next to your dad, yeah. <laughs> as your buddy, your buddy you know, we're, we're all out. We're fucking... This is a terrible podcast tonight. Um, no, when though we had we doubled up, and I was trying for it. Like I said, I stepped into the spot and was just trying to catch a fish. Um, and I knew somebody was already on the net. I didn't have to work the net, or I'd have been working the net. And I know that he's a good net man. He he fishes that river more than I do. I trust him more than I trust myself, even there with the net. So I was like, oh, he has it. And I think he like. And Alex was so elated to see, like, me and my dad, like, double up. And the way it happened, like, me, like, trying to work for one and then, like, not trying to work for one and actually happening. <laughs> and me being like, holy shit, it just happened. Uh, just a good time. My, we doubled up there before. We tripled up there, me, him, and uh, somebody else before. But, I mean, just those moments. That fit, my fish was way out further, and Dad's was down right underneath us. And, like... I had to go over top of him. He was going underneath my rod and me, and like where it's getting all you know twisted up. It's like saltwater fishing. And like, both fish come now. Now both fish are about to get netted at the same time. Like, and I was like, he put one in the net, and I'm like, all right, get ready to net mine in the same net because this is all we have. And some guy came running down from right above us, and uh, I don't even know what kind of fishing he was doing, whether it meant center pinning or whatever. But, you know, just another guy's like, hey, you guys look like you need another net. We do, buddy. Uh. And, well, he, no, he nets this fish, and it was all, all we could do. He's, his buddy was now hooked up. As he was coming down to us to net our fish, his buddy hooked up. And his buddy needed a net. And we were all standing, like, you know, in the same run area. And so did PJ run over and net his buddy's face? No, they were all way far down from us. It was just the three of us. So we only had the one net. They had the other net. And I, I, I was like, all right, I picked up that fish, put it right back in our net. And just he took his net over and just had to go do what he had to do. So at this point, it's like now we have two fish, one net, which sucks. You know what I mean? In that situation. So we just tried to get it be quick. I pulled, I had my hemostats right in my chest. You know what I mean? Right, right with me at all times. Just because it made more sense to have them there. The first fish we had, oh, somebody go grab a hemostats. You know what I mean? It's like, fuck that. I don't want to have to go grab them. They're just going to stand right here in my pocket. So, you know, immediately just give him hemos. All right, be ready. Pull, 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 pop, pop, and hold fish up for two seconds. Get a picture of, you know, a moment I'll never get to live again with anybody, you know, especially my dad. My dad. Especially your dad. He's the coolest dude. He's the best fisherman we all know. <laughs> I mean, personally, on a personal level, to get to fish with all the time, and 
he can go and man, it doesn't matter where he's at. He just goes. There's uh, I I just got Blaine Chocolate's book. We're gonna talk about in the next podcast. And in the first uh, before like after is who he thanks all that stuff. Uh, when he actually goes into the fishing stuff, he the first um, few paragraphs he he parentheses reading. The biggest part about fly fishing is reading, and he parentheses that. And it's not reading any kind of, like, not reading not paper, reading not reading text. It's reading water and reading fish. And reading water, well, when you read the water right, you know where the fish are going to be, especially with steelhead fishing and, and trout fishing. And Dad reads water better than probably 99% of people. Better than most. Yeah, most people out 99. there. Yeah, 99.9. Yeah, I mean, I'm saying, like, he, he just gets Here's it. He knows exactly yeah. where every fish is. He already knows where the fish are at. Now it is just getting there and getting there the right way. And if it's three cast in, he doesn't know. Okay, maybe I have to. Okay, I'm going to change my indicator. Might add a little more weight. Okay, see if that were. You know what I mean? It's always a always a constant just tinkering, tinkering, tinkering until, until he gets it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we found out bow fishing this year. Bowfin fishing. Oh, he doesn't fuck around. We, we found that out. Like, if he's not tinkering, he's adjusting and doing the things that it takes to to catch fish always he's just a that's his that's how he is and that's why he caught more fish than everybody in the trip because he he just he has a his mind just he's wrapping his mind consistently you know around and he's been there a few times now so now he gets it now he sees the river okay i i've been i can fish him i can catch him at the spot but can i catch him every other spot he has you know other spots but this was a new spot to him and boom he's like i want to go there again yeah. Can we go back up there? I'm going to go back up the river again. Like, you're not going to have a net if you leave. <laughs> like, but you can go there. And then he hooked one, and, and, and Christofferson tailed it for him. And got <laughs> tailed it. Tailed it and just picked it up. Ah, there you go, Rick. That's your fish. It's a beautiful fish. And then it, then it, then it jumped back in the water and broke off. <laughs> but, you know, just that day, that was fun. That was the first night. You know, we finished the night off on that double up, and, like, at that point, it was dark. And, you know, knowing what... <sighs> I should have just stayed. But it would have been a... It had been an all-day, grueling, grueling day down there. And, you know, after you've... When you go there for three days and you spend over more than half... Like, you're spending... I spent 20... In the two first two days, I spent more than 24 hours on the riverside. Like... I spent like 26 hours on the river in two days. Mm-hmm. You know and, what I mean? More than you think half about a day. It, what's the amount of light that we're having this time of year? No, oh, this. You is, know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Oh, I'm spending from like three o'clock Something in the morning like sitting there uh, in the dark, dark, dark till dark. Like ten hours of light, lighting right? fires and shit. So the second day, we get up early, we get the spot, we go down to the spot. The spot looks atrocious. There's fucking trash everywhere. It looks like they had a bonfire party. The only thing that was missing was a shitty fucking diaper, dude, to be honest. And it, <laughs> it, it, it killed me. It killed every guy I was with. And, you know, the best things those people left? They left us a starter log in the wrapper yeah. and a bunch of wood. Yeah. Like wood that was in, like, plastic wrappers that they didn't want to take out either. And so we started that starter log, started a fire, burnt everything we could burn. Mm-hmm. And then anything that wasn't going to burn... We took out when we left. I'm glad you did that. And, uh, you know, I, that's the kind of people. I mean, even I don't care who it was. Brian. You know what I mean? And he's, 
He's an older, he's an older dude. Older dude that might not have the same. But it is. It's all the same. No, they don't. Nobody wants to go down there and see that shit. Mm-hmm. Nobody. Right. I understand maybe a little bit of line. If there's some mono left somewhere with a couple sinkers on it, I get it. I get that. Even you get that. It, you pick up, you put it in your pocket. Sure, but I, I understand that. Like, I, if I see that, I'm not pissed off. But I'm talking like, like, I'm talking grates, a grate that they cooked on with aluminum foil on top of it, crackers, bags of food. Yeah. Like, all kinds of shit, dude. I mean, pots and pans. The only thing we left was one pot, and we put it up on the rocks. Anybody else wanted to use it. And everything else, honestly, I never didn't see anything else there when we left. Mm-hmm. And like I said, we burnt as much as we could. I burnt all the aluminum foil down. And, you know, it sucks to burn all that, but, better. Yeah, but, but it's better than it. fucking leaving it. You know, and it, it, it's just, it was terrible. But anyway. So it, how was the spot? The spot was awesome. Um, it was It was fun. There was impending weather coming the second day. You know, we all, if you lived in the Northeast, you, the weather went through. It was really, really bad. Um, we knew it was going to come through. We didn't know when. Uh, it, was, it was raining in the dark while we were there. It was, it was tough. It was tough. It was cold. It, you know, it was raining all the whole time. Did it uh, affect the fish? Well, that day it was still a little lower, a little clear. Uh, no wind had moved through yet. And... Oh my gosh, dude! First thing in the morning, you could hear fish crashing, and I'm like, "Is P- that what, is that when we got the the picture in the dark?" So PJ's like, oh. "Man, he's like, I got my red light on, man. I I could see my indicator with my red light on." I'm like, "Fish it then. Let's try to fish," and he could see his indicator because of the the fire we had going, so we could fish right in front of him immediately. <laughs> He hooks up. I'm like, I'm like, oh shit. Oh damn. Okay. I, I was like, I, I might. I, Is that the one he hooked in the ass? No, no, no. This one was hooked, and he he didn't he didn't get it in. And I'm like, oh damn. Okay, okay. Like, well, let's do this. I guess. I'm like, all right. I can see too. I have 20/20 vision. I have great vision. Uh, and my red light. I can. I'm beaming off my yellow giant uh, buoy. Is is doing great. I can see this fucking thing. So I, I, I'm like, all right, shit, I'm running through there, running through there, running it through there, like a little higher in the spot than I usually would stand. But me and PJ were kind of standing, you know, a little bit down from each other, a little, a little away from, because we we're the only two people fishing yet. And uh, immediately, boom, there he is. Like, I mean, it had to be three casts. Three casts in, I'm like, oh, I'm hooked up now, too. This is just a, whoa, okay, okay, I got him, got him. You know, and we get this fish in. It was a good, the biggest fish I had caught all weekend. I only caught three. Lost a, lost more than I caught. But, uh, you know, it was fun. You know, first thing in the morning, I, I you know, now I wish I would have had a extra rod with me at all times with a uh, sink tip and a streamer on it. Yeah, man. I would have loved to have stripped this big streamer into one of them. But even yet, it was, dude, when we caught that, when we got the fish in, uh, when we pulled the hook out, I mean, this, this hook, the, uh, the white death, was like deep down, down in this thing's like tongue. Like it wasn't like hooked in the cheek or in the lip or anything like that. Like he just sipped it. No, it was like he wailed it like it was a bait fish. Like they were crashed because they crash bait fish before the dart. Like before light, they'll yeah. crash bait fish right in front of you. You'll just hear them just pow, crash, crash, boom. You hear all these fish just splashing all over in front of you. Yeah. They push them so, up on seams. Like yeah, the seams that Jay always t- talks about uh, floating. Yeah. They're using those as a wall 
to push the bait fish up against. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they just, like, so that and, fish... And those seams, they're three feet from the shore. You yeah. know, sometimes they can be three feet from shore. Sometimes they can be six feet from shore. Depending on how the water's ripping. Yeah, but you can hear those fish crashing the bait fish, like, right there, like, right at your feet. Yes. It's awesome. It is cool. It's something different. And then you're like, all right, well, boom, there goes one. And then Justin's like, oh, I'm going to fish. And then Justin <laughs> catches, hooks one. He loses his. And I'm like, oh, wow, all right, all right. And then, but this time, you know, this was, we probably decided to fish at five. By this time, you know, after a few fish and whatever we've hooked and caught and blah, blah, blah. Now it's going to be light. You know, starting to peak light. And dad and everybody else starts fishing. And. It was good. It was good. Fish were getting hooked. You know, Dad didn't hook shit, but we all were hooking fish. I was hooking fish. I hooked probably four or five fish right there. I only got the one. I lost one big, big, big fish. I came. It came close. It was at the head. It, it slashed his head right at the bank one time. Peach didn't put it in a net. And then at that point, she took. She took and sw- it was like a heavyweight fight. I gave her my biggest punch, and then she came back with off the ropes. I had her against the ropes, and she came off the ropes swinging and are, took me out hard. Are you and Peach not going to talk for another month like you did last year after the, the trip? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> this, wasn't, no this wasn't a flubbed-up job. No, he didn't, he didn't fuck up. It, it could have maybe been netted, but I don't – I wouldn't have – it probably – you know, you didn't have to stick the net in the yeah. water. Like, it was kind of close. Because last year, the only shot we had at a fish – PJ had in his hand. The oh, his sure, hand. sure, 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 sure. No, 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 no. He did a great job. He netted a few fish this year. He did a great job. Uh, but no, that that fish, you know, it just it 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 just gave me the heavyweight punch back. And then she just took a tear and got the current with her on her side. Once that happened, man, it was she just pull, 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 pop, and there it went. Hey man, they do hey. that. Oh yeah, they do you're not that. gonna get them all. And that was a big one. I've got bigger than the one that one, but it's not that it matters at all. You know what I got out of her? A fun fight, the moment, the take, the time, the yeah. eat. You the know, take. just anything. There's the bobber going out, but the fight, the fight. She, it was like a heavyweight fight. She went out, she went in. It was a, we fought for. She gave you a robo dope. Oh yeah, she did. She gave me the <laughs> robo dope, whacked and, and you know knocked out, punched me. You know, and it, that's the fun of it. You know, it's the fight. It's like for those fish, it's not the eat. You know, we're like with muskie and a few other fish, it's the eat and it's the this, it's the that. With stripers, steelhead, any like steelhead fishing in general, it's it's the fight. It's the fight. The hooking the fish is is gonna happen. The fight, man. When you have to fight them right to get them in. And if anything's wrong in your line setup, if there's a weak point, if there's this knot's wrong, that knot's wrong, this is wrong, even I've learned with the stripers, on even 30 pounds, if something's a little bit weak, yeah. boom. She ain't going right. It's not going to go in your direction if it's a big, big fish that wants to not be caught. Mm-hmm. You know, and hey, you don't catch them all. I had a great time. Though. That was a fun fish. That was, I think, the last fish I caught of the whole trip. Caught or hooked? No, caught. Are hooked. No, no, I hooked a couple others after that. Um, I hooked a steelhead. Oh boy! The same day, I it, on the you know little tear I went on, I hooked four or five fish within a few hours. And I'm sitting there, and in this one spot, you can sit and you can fish the slow, slow water. You're good. Okay. Okay. 
And uh, so you could fit, sit and fish this slow, slow water. And your indicator would just kind of boil and, and just and slowly move around. And Any, I, Anywhere else you would think your indicator was hung up. Yes. But it's just like floating around. You, if you follow it with no tension, with your fly, like you could leave like six inches between your fly line and your indicator. And now you have that little bit of slack that you could leave between your indicator. And you could follow it with no tension whatsoever. You know what I mean? And just letting it drift however the fuck it wants to randomly drift. You know what I mean? Without any tension on it. And man, I swear some big old fat girl sit in there. And all of a sudden, I'm like doing that, doing that, doing that. And, and then, like, I'll tell you about the eddy filling up and what goes to let out. Mm-hmm. So, the, the, like, now everything starts to, starts to just drag, just starts to drag down river. And I'm like, <laughs> immediately, it just goes right down. And I, you know, I did the stupidest thing I could have done. I set the hook. I set, like, hard, yeah. boom. Like, I'm going to set the hook on this son of a bitch. And Got I, you good. <laughs> and then, pop. I was like, ah, uh, yeah, that was stupid. Why the fuck did I do that? I should just let her run. But hey, you know, live and learn. It was fun. It was. Uh, it lit my eyes up and made me excited. I retied and went right back up there and did it again. And and I didn't <laughs> catch. It I didn't again. catch anything again like doing it. I tried it a hundred times after that. And what a good time. Brian, my dad's buddy though, he wasn't catching anything on an indicator. So he goes up. This is basically all I got because the day after. The wind came, the weather came, river got. We went down there the next day. It was so muddy. This is all on Saturday. Muddier and shit. Everything yeah, yeah. You're drinking. No, it was on Sunday. This is on Sunday. But Monday, you were drinking B pluses on the side of the river. Yeah, that Monday, I got drunk instead of fishing because there yeah. was no point. But so this is Sunday morning before the weather rolled in. Yeah, yeah, this is all Sunday morning. So Brian moves up to his own little spot where there was like an eddy in the, in the big eddy in the river, mm-hmm. like a huge point that goes out and. There's a giant rift that goes off it, and he's sitting, like, honestly, on the back side of that huge point. Mm-hmm. So there's, like, just a giant, e- that's the top end of the eddy. We even fish way down lower. Mm-hmm. And right above that, the water actually moves upriver. You fish up, so you fish, you fish upriver because of the swirl yeah. in the eddy. So you're fishing, like, honestly, against the general current of the river. Mm-hmm. But the fish are all sitting, looking downriver, honestly. They sit yeah. down river right, at right, that point. Right. It's real weird. But so he's just kind of throwing out no bobber now. He takes his indicator off and he wants to fish deeper. And he's throwing out and just kind of jigging through there, stripping and, Can and you letting tell it swing. Listeners what, what fly you have on there? Um, well, he's, he's fishing white ass or he's fishing a, he fished a few different flies there. All within two to three inch, you know, or not even that. Probably one and a half inches to mm-hmm. whatever little white flies. Okay. You know, and he's just letting like them bait s- fish. Yeah, 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 little bait fish because mm-hmm. we were on the bait. The bait fish that were we saw most of were probably two and a half to three inches, and they looked like a uh, like a CF bait fish. They looked exactly like a CF bait. They were even stiff like a CF bait fish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they looked stiff when they were like dying on top of the water. The ones <laughs> the birds were coming picking up, <laughs> but uh. He's fishing just a little white fly down there, you know, and just swimming it through and swimming it through and letting it swing, jig through. Man, he hooked four fish. Okay. You know, I was like, I'm going to go up there and do what Brian's doing. You know me. I'm not one to... You don't want to shy away from when people are catching fish. no. If, if somebody's <laughs> doing something that's working, I'm going to go do it. 
I'm not, I, dude, I'm going to catch fish. I don't give a fuck what you're doing, how you're doing it. Good job for you to figure it out. Mm-hmm. You went up. You're not doing the same thing that we showed you to do. You went out. You took the indicator off. You did something yourself and just went and figured it out on your own because he doesn't know any better. He doesn't know what swinging a fly is. He doesn't know what a snap tee is. He doesn't know any of that shit. He's no. an old man who doesn't know much but steelhead fishing. And he was doing it. And he, and he yeah, went up there and he was like, hey, I'm just gonna, he, uh, he understands reading water, though. That's the thing about him. He's old. He knows how he knows reading water. He's read. He's steelhead fished for thirty years, and he gets it. He knows where the fucking things are laying. And he's like, man, I'm gonna jig my fly through here, and I think I'm gonna get one. Dude, doesn't he hook up on one? Okay, well, I'm up there with a net or four, <laughs> or four. Yeah, like yeah. right in a row. So he's having a great time. You can see him laughing. He fought this one for probably seven minutes or so. It had to be just it. It I. It was either that or sturgeon, dude, or he had it back hooked. <laughs> One of the two either had it foul hooked, which I don't think it was foul hooked because I saw it run and the way it was shaking after it would run, it wasn't like, you know, a back hook. They they swim weird. And if it's a tail hook, it's all just. They keep bump, 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 and on a tail like, hook, it's just a big wobble back and yeah. forth. No, this thing was like. <clears throat> and I could see it head shaking and shit. Yeah. I think it ended up getting him hooked up in something else that was down there, like a, around the big rock Another or something. rock pile or something. Yeah, and he, he couldn't get it through this rock pile. But uh, she fought it forever. A great, great fit. And you could just see the fun, the fun he was having. I, I, yeah. I was happy because I've had plenty of fun there. So I know the uh, the fun could be. You know what I mean? I understand it. I almost go there with just hoping everybody else catches fish and has fun. With no expectations yeah, for yourself. Yeah, just who gives a shit, man. I'm, I've had enough fun there. I've caught giant lake trout. i caught big brown steelheads. I've, I've had my fun there. I've been going there for five, six years now. And dad... He loves it. He loves it. So I, I like going there for my dad. And his buddy likes yeah. to go there now with him. And I, I think that's great. I, I like to see them two out on trips together. They're old and they're still having a good time doing it together. It's the same shit that we like to do. We like to go out on our fishing trips with our buddies. And it's awesome that my dad gets to get out there with his friends. Go get in a tel- hotel room. Go out. Go to the bar. Get away from the goddamn wives yeah, for a minute. Yeah, <laughs> go out. Go to the bar. Spend three days. You know, even if they sit there on the bank for a little while and reminisce and bullshit and just have a good time being out there. You know, you're not, you know, you're not at home. Exactly. You know, you're living and having fun. You're out there in the wild, you know. Yeah. And that's well, one of the more wild places I've ever seen. That's one thing I love seeing with, with your dad and, you know, my father-in-law is that he just still, and he's like the hype man still. He, <laughs> he just, he still fucking brings that passion. And so, so it's good to see with a guy that's, you know, 50 plus years old that, uh, that he just brings that contagious passion that it makes you want to do it too. And then that's why he, he has you and he has Chad, all, uh, his predecessors that, uh, you know, he's made that. I, I He's told me that he's like, you don't yell at me like my son does. <laughs> <laughs> no, Rick, we're out to have fun, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Jay, when, when Jay and Rick are together, they put their fucking game face on, man. Mm-hmm. When I'm out with Rick, I'm like, Rick's here to kick it, bro. <laughs> I want to see you catch some fish. I'm going to row you into these motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> we do. We He he always, but I, like, like again, he brings and he, you know, he instills in me the, when I'm, when I want to go out, we're catching the, this fish. We're catching like we're catching all the fish. We're doing this, doing this, doing this. So ending the trip, wind, inclement weather moves through. We're actually walking out, and trees are flying over our heads, dude. Like branches of trees. No, seriously, dude. Ser- I'm not yeah, shitting you. No, I like you. out on the walk out of that big ass trail, 
like trees are flying above our head into the river. It is intense, man. It was scary. Like Oz. Yes, it was scary shit. Like when we were on the the creek the one day. Yeah. It was that scary shit. Like like you're like I don't want a tree to fall on me right now, like off one of these cliffs. Yeah, that, very intense. And that's then, not a place to be when it was. It was, it was like, like that. Sixty mile an hour was a uh, top gust. Sixty seven, I think. So it was yeah. like fifty mile an hour winds. Next day we go. Muddy, muddy, muddy. I get tanked on the river. Have a good time. Drinking. Uh, have PJ drive you home. No, no. My dad. <laughs> no, they had already left. They left the day before. But uh, my dad and Brian were driving, and so yeah, man, I was getting tanked. Crowning, <laughs> crowning cokes, and fucking the rest of the B B pluses that were there. So yeah, man. Well, B pluses in the morning. My dad hooked one fish. He had a head shake, and he was. When my dad looks at me, he goes, "I'm done." I know when he says yeah, that, I'm like, dude, I, yeah, I retired because you, I didn't think you were done. I wasn't even going to fucking retire, man. We're just wasting time, though, when, yeah. when Ricky's done. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, you know what, we're done. And we walked, me and my dad walked out by ourselves and looked at the river and, you know, said, hey, good trip to each other. And, you know. So is this Sunday or Monday? He said, I'll be here until the day I can't walk. Yeah. I'm going to come on this trip until I cannot walk anymore. We should just push him off of one of the rocks whenever he's ready to go. And that's what I was yeah. thinking. Yeah. We're going <laughs> to yeah. chuck him off. He'll yeah. never come up. Yeah. Fuck hell. Yeah. That's a big river. It's yeah. an intense place. But, hey, until next year there, I think I might make a trip up this spring sometime. And, uh, hey, I got an awesome uh, invitation and uh, invitation or uh, save the date for uh, Evans's wedding. And congratulations to those two for their engagement. Talk to his fian- beautiful fiance. Uh, there you go. Yeah, it was a good time. We stopped at the, uh, the fly shop. Keeping and it family friendly. Yeah, we were step- stopped at the fly shop, saw Jamie for a second. I talked her ear off because I was all buzzed up from drinking all morning. <laughs> As you should be. Yeah, you're damn right. <laughs> money. And then got some really good food with Evans and, you know, called it a weekend. Hung out in the fly shop until we left. Good deal, man. They stopped at Oak Creek. I was still... I was half sleeping. I don't remember. <laughs> I think I saw a steelhead move in the creek. It was low and clear. I'm sure it was, man. It was low and clear when I was there on uh, the Monday before or the Friday before. They got a lot more rain up there than we did because a few, a bunch of their creeks spiked real high, but yeah. ours didn't. But all right, we got to call our guest now. Hey, that was my uh, steelhead trip to the Niagara. It was a great time. Yes, it was a steelhead trip to the Niagara. So thank you very much. Everyone who gives a fuck. Yeah. You go and you get your bycatch here and there and, you know. Exactly. But, you you know, I would have loved to have felt a few more rips and tears. I hear you, man. Oh, yeah. And we are back with Miles Nolte from the Meat Eater. What is going on, Miles? How you doing, brother? I am well. Thank you very much for uh, inviting me to this particular party. Oh man, this is our pleasure, man. Uh, we we've been watching you for quite a while. Um, me particularly, I uh, I used to read you when you were on the uh, the Drake Forum. Oh yeah, yeah. 
back when I, I lived in a tent and and uh, just just typed out random thoughts and people read them. That was fun. So, so can can you go into one real quick story? You kind of covered it on your on your podcast. We're gonna get into that a little bit later. But how did you get your screen name for the Drake message board? <laughs> so yeah, I uh, the, the 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 name was is Gaper. And when I moved out to the Mountain West, that was and probably still is sort of like a ski term, ski culture term for a tourist or someone who doesn't know what the hell they're doing and is just standing there gaping at the majesty around them and getting in other people's way. And and that, that pretty well described me when I first moved to Montana, I'd say. And the name actually was bestowed upon me by a buddy when we were, we had hiked back into this wilderness area to fish uh it was late spring and we were camping and fishing we got to like the home pool and as soon as we set up it was just an amazing blueing olive hatch and fish were rising everywhere and i just stood there like a normal angler would have started assembling rods and like straightening leaders and getting shit ready and i just stood there with my mouth open watching these fish rise <laughs> and my buddy methodically got everything together so he could catch them and and literally crossed behind me and just said into my ear, gape, 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 and then went and started catching fish. And, uh, and, and I just embraced, I had to embrace the nickname from there. It just, it was, you know, so, you can't, if you can't beat it, you have to embrace it. So before Montana, and you said to us before we were talking, you're from Hawaii. How did you get your starts into fly fishing and, or even fishing in general and, and move on from there going to Alaska? Yeah, I, I mean, I was one of those kids, man. I'm sure a lot of you guys are the same and a lot of your listeners are the same. I was just always into fishing. I don't I don't exactly know why or how. Um, nobody in my immediate family, like neither of my parents fished or knew anything about fishing. There is no, the story goes that they don't know how I even knew what it was. I just came to my parents and said I wanted to go fishing at like four years old. And, and they had were left to wonder where the hell that came from. Um, wow. And... So my mom's family is from the Chicago area and right around that same time we we started going up to northern Wisconsin to hang out with them in the summers and my uncles fished and they started getting me into it and I was just like addicted from the word go and so I just sought out every opportunity I could to fish. I fished the, the brackish canals around my house. I fished off the beach. Um, we didn't have a boat i didn't have access to boats and we didn't have money to do that so i never got to do much offshore stuff growing up but whenever i got the chance i would jump at it and like hop on a buddy's boat and go do offshore when i could but that was rare it was mostly like i spent most of my childhood fishing just poking around the little uh the 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 canals that were dug to turn my neighborhood from a swamp into a, a subdivision and catching tilapia and barracuda and little jacks and stuff oh that sounds awesome and speaking of your uncles over in Wisconsin, that still uh, rings true to you, right? You still like chasing, oh hell yeah, you still like chasing the muskie. Lo- uh, everything about that area and that fishery, like it was so impressed upon me. Like those were those were my pilgrimages as a kid because that's you know when I got to go quote unquote real fishing for me and, and have access to boats and chase after bass like largemouth and smallmouth and muskie and pike and. I was just, I was, I was into it. And my uncles were very formative figures in my fishing identity. So I just looked so forward every year to get to go with them and, and learn more and experience new things. And, 
and uh and, and see what kind of you know baits they were using that year or what stories they had and and yeah the north woods of wisconsin is still very near and dear to my heart were your uncles as bad influences on you as mine were on me like they my mom would let me go on trips <laughs> with my uncles and they'd feed me boone's farm when i was 13 and <laughs> no wonder oh, you're an alcoholic now Chad. my uncles were not like that at all man they were pretty damn straight and narrow i gotta be honest in fact I, I remember my my uh, my uncle Bob is such a rule follower. Like that's just him. He is a rule follower through and through. And when I was like in my late teens, my dad would be cool with me having like a beer every once in a while, particularly when we're on vacation. Uh, but I couldn't do it around my uncle, like in his house, because until you're 21, it's against the law, and he just followed the rules. He was not that kind of guy. He was very he he was a Navy man. He still had that. He liked that discipline. That's funny because our Uncle Bob is very much so different than that. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. So, Miles, when did uh, when did fly fishing make its way into your life? I think I was seven the first time I picked up a fly rod. And, and again, I got to credit the same uh, duo of uncles. And it basically, like for me initially, it was just a way, I think it was just a way for them to like get me off their back. I was constantly being like, hey, let's go out on the boat and let's, let's chase after bass. Let's chase after musk. Come on, Uncle Jim, Uncle Bob, only go. And they're like, God damn it, kid. Like, I got other shit to do. So I remember my, I think it was Uncle Jim gave me his old Eagle Claw seven foot convertible pack rod that was a con- one of those old Eagle Claw convertibles that you could convert from a spinning rod to a fly rod. Oh, yeah, man. Jeez, yeah. Very familiar. Yes. Very familiar. Holy cow. <laughs> those things are awesome. Oh, yeah. And, uh, Why do they still make yeah. those? <laughs> do, they, do they? No. I know. I said they should. No, I think they do. They should. I, was out, I agree. I was out in they, Montana I, I mean, this year. It had to be from like, the, like 75 or something. It was really old. And they just kind of set me loose with that and some foam spiders. And I could just beat on bluegill and, and and it kept me entertained for a long time and uh somewhere around that era seven to ten i remember i was doing that and just whacking on on, on bluegill on foam spider and then out of this weed bed comes like this eight pound pike and it just inhales the bluegill that i'm fighting and all of a sudden i've got this big pike on that old fiberglass pack rod and it just blew my mind and uh I I think of that as sort of my formative moment of being like, damn, I gotta I gotta learn more about this fly fishing stuff because this is this is cool. And then from then on, you wanted to catch big fish, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I, I took it and ran with it, and and uh, yeah, I I started playing around more with the fly rod in college, and and soon thereafter, and and then I hit that period in my twenties that I think a lot of people hit, where they like get all holier than thou. I'm like, oh, now I only fly fish, which is stupid. And and then somewhere that lasted for ten years or so, and, and then I came back to my senses and, and realized that all kinds of different fishing are fun, and fly fishing is rad in certain situations, and and so is conventional fishing and trolling and all kinds of different stuff. So when you were doing your uh, your deal in Alaska, you were doing everything. Yes, yes, I was. Uh, I was. I'd say I was a better fly guide than I was some of the other stuff because i'd never like like i didn't know anything about back trolling for kings man like i'd never done that and that is an art and i didn't like hmm. the place i worked was the kind of place where like let's take some time and really train you up on this shit it was a, a sink or swim kind of a deal they're like all right here's a boat here's a quick fish here's a trolling rod they live in the deep water go find them and so 
So I wasn't that good at that. Speaking We're, of speaking of the place that you worked in Alaska, can you can you talk about the AK Chronicles Chronicles a little bit? Like sure. What what was the process of starting to write it, and uh, and then how did it manifest itself, and then where did it go f- in the end? You know what I mean? Can you walk us yeah. through the AK Chronicles? I'm, Absolutely. So for the, the, the listeners who are like, what the hell is he talking about? Uh, Chad I, gets a hard on on this one. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm full hard. Yeah. Chad's like, <laughs> Chad's like, can I jack off any harder? Don't look. Remember that thing? Remember that thing you did like 10 years ago? That was great. Um, it was awesome. It was so cool. Uh, I, so that was when I was guiding in Alaska, and I, I had just started writing for Tom at the Drake. And I had spent one season up there. And I realized that I was not creative enough to make up the crazy shit that actually happened in a wilderness camp in Alaska. And so I talked to Tom Bai, who was the editor and owner of Drake, and I was like, "Man, you, I, I, I gotta like, I gotta write this down. We gotta set something up." And these, this was a while ago when the old the the, the weblog, or as what the kids were calling it then, the blog was a new thing, and everybody didn't have one. And uh, so Tom was like, "Yeah, yeah, we'll get you a blog on the website. We'll make it all happen." But in true Tom by fashion, he never actually followed up and did that. So I was like, man, I still want to write this stuff down. I still want, I still feel like these stories need to be told. And uh, again, I, I feel like putting it somewhere. And I live in this tent in the middle of Alaska and I do not communicate with anybody except for like the same 10 people who I live with for four months. So having an outlet would be great. And that particular season, I should, I should reiterate, we're in a wilderness camp in Alaska. We live in tents. We, we, everything's powered off of generators. We have to fly in all of our food and essentials, but we got satellite internet. <laughs> this was 2007. I'm like, what the, this is amazing. Yeah. So, uh, best thing ever. I, I, I started just posting a thread on the Drake message board, which was a place that I hung out occasionally at the time, chronicling this season of, of being a, a guide in wilderness Alaska. And it, it struck a chord with a lot of people. Folks seemed to resonate with it. Um, and so I kept going and it was, I got, it was great for me because I got immediate feedback, right? It wasn't like sitting down and writing an article or writing a book where you, you throw all these words into a black hole with the hopes that one day someone will read them and, and enjoy them. It was instant interaction with an audience. And every time I put down a new, story about something that happened i would get that positive reinforcement of like this is great keep going so i did and i i kept it going through the entire season as as just kind of a way to entertain myself and keep myself sane um and the, and you there know, was a bunch of folly and, and, that went there was a bunch of ahead. folly that happened throughout that season as well wasn't there there uh, was a bunch of what now folly like um the the guy that was your boss was uh was kind of a a weenie. Oh, I mean, there was folly in every season. That's why yeah. I, I, I decided I had to start writing the stuff down because I knew all the crazy shit that was going to happen. I didn't know exactly what it was going to be, but I knew there was going to be plenty of it. So, because it was my second season up there, I, I just knew this was, was noteworthy and, and deserving of, of catalog. So I, I did that. And then Oh, whatever. Some of the season finished up in September, and I think it was the next February. Uh, Tosh Brown, who is a, a legend in outdoor media as a photographer and also as a writer, decided he was going to start his own uh, book publishing imprint 
and he reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to work on those series of posts and converting them into a manuscript to turn them into a book. And the answer, the obvious answer was yes, because outdoor writing was what I'd always wanted to do and was what I was doing. And so it just went from there and, and turned from the AK Chronicles into the Alaska Chronicles and got published in hardcover. And we, we sold two printings. Uh, was that something that you went to school for, or was that something that just came naturally as well, the writing? And I, English class was the only class I was ever any good at in school, really. And so, and, and I enjoyed it, right? I, I, I did. And I studied I, in college. I thought I was going to be a political science major, but then I dropped poli-sci 101 after like the first week. So sure. I figured that wasn't going to work out. And my plan in college was not to have a plan. I just <laughs> took classes Mine that I too, found man. interesting and, and went to them. And somewhere around my sophomore, junior year, something like that, I sat down with an academic advisor and they said, so what do you think you're going to major in? And I said, I don't know. And they looked at my transcript and they said, it looks like you're an English major. And I said, okay, I guess I'm an English major. So that was, that was how that happened. And yeah, I spent a lot of time in writing classes and lit classes, uh, and I did that as an undergrad, and then I actually went on to get a master's degree in rhetoric and composition, which is just a very, very fancy way of saying studying reading, written communication. No. So you said there were two printings of the Alaska Chronicles. Is 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 it still available anywhere, or is it? Can anyone find it? I tried looking it up before the show, and I couldn't find it anywhere. You can still find a few. There are a few copies left, um, but the only place you can get them now is through the Meat Eater store. So oh, at, okay. media, at the meat eater dot com, uh, they're they're selling the the last few copies that exist. So I'm gonna buy one before the three people listen to this show. <laughs> yeah, get them before they're gone. Um, do you plan on any other writings in your future? And I mean, that's gotta oh, I mean, be something that I, you. That's what I do and did. Um, I mean, I, that's what I am doing. Essentially, I'm just expanding out into different media and have so. Uh, the thing that is what's funny to me is that this part of the story is, is not as well known or not as much talked about when I talk to people. Like I, I did all that writing for the Drake and I did the Alaska Chronicles. And then I got my dream job, which was I was hired on as the fishing editor at Gray's Sporting Journal. And that was a publication is a publication that I still think is the best or one of the best outdoor publications that has ever existed. Yeah, man. But, That's one of the best print publications that you can think of. Right. But the problem is that nobody under 65, for the most part, reads it. So, like, I had my own column in Gray's, and I did all this work, and none of my contemporaries ever even knew about it. They're like, you're in what now? What are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, man, I, I, I'm just, are, are you still writing? I'm like, yeah, I, I have my own column. Like, I'm the editor of this magazine. What are you talking about? <laughs> Go check it out. Uh, and I did that for almost 10 years. Um and and while I was doing that and and teaching writing at the university here in Bozeman, uh, I I also started working with a, um, a a digital production company, a cinematography company called Tributaries Digital Cinema, and started writing films for Sage and Reddington and Yeti and uh, some other companies, and and got a sense of of writing for for the screen, which was something I had never done before and really enjoyed uh, it's it's a very different kind of writing like when you're when you're writing for the page it's it's 
just you and maybe an editor down the line. But when you're trying to put together a, a film project, you really have to collaborate with other people on this vision. Like you don't just get to put your ideas out there and have them happen. And that is both frustrating and really satisfying at the same time. So I started doing that, um, I don't know, 10 ish years ago I, and, and went from there. I've noticed, uh, on your, on some of the recent projects you've been on, you've been credited as a writing or a writer on some of the more recent projects, but, uh, I want to get into those a little bit later. <laughs> you, okay. know, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And what that entails in that. Um, were you the first book to be published from the Drake forums? I, I, yes, I was. I was not the last, but I was the no, first. No, you were not the last because I have, I have uh, uh, Mexico Returns, which was, I mm-hmm. think, the last one. There's uh, Mexico Returns. There's the Cracked Windshield Chronicles. Yeah. Uh and there's always the, the ones Z- I know of. There are, there's always threats of the Z access. Mm. The, the cooking, threats of them. You know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but so you were a pioneer in bringing the the Drake message board to print. I mean, those were the early days of that message board. You know, like it was yeah. it was a unique group of people that was hanging out around there, and and a lot of those people were incredibly talented. There, there are a lot of really good writers that just sort of hovered around that scene then, uh, many of whom at the time I just looked up to and wanted to hang out with and get respect from. And I think that was part of why I did what I did there, because that was a community of people from whom I definitely sought recognition and, and acceptance. And so like getting that felt really good. Yeah, man, I, I hear you. But I, I just want to make sure that you were the first one to, to do that. Cause like, as far as I know, yeah, yeah. So in like in the filming, when you're trying to write filming and and trying to encapture somebody's fishing day and you know sometimes great day, sometimes a bad day. Um, I fish all the time. I put my underwear on just like the next guy. I make my coffee just like the next guy. How do you make that all look so great on a on a film? Or how do you what do you how do you write what is going to happen in a fishing day? How does that all happen? I mean, that's the thing you can't, right? And so, like, we all we all have spent time, or I'm going to assume we all have spent time going to the, the, the film tours over the years. And for particularly in those early years, I was so frustrated as a writer because I was like, there's no story here. Like, I, I get it. You guys caught a cool fish, and that's great. Or you caught a bunch of fish, and that's great. But I don't care about the fish unless there's some some sort of deeper connection to how you got there and why it matters, right? The, the, the fishing is not skiing or, or, or dirt biking or, or anything that you can just like sit back and watch these amazing feats of humanity, right? The, the, the reason that it's interesting, the reason that it's compelling is everything that goes into catching that fish. The whole story of, of the attempt and the journey and the failure and, and whatever connections you have to create to get there. So for years, I was always bitching to all the filmmaker buddies. I'm like, you need a writer. And they're like, I don't need money to pay a writer. I'm like, you need a writer. And I think it's gotten a lot better over the last few years. And people have recognized that you can't just get away with pure fish porn anymore. You have to, you have, to have some more substance there. So to me, to answer your question, it has to do with like it starts with doing your homework and finding elements that are interesting about a fish or a fishery or a place or a set of characters that you know you can count on and that you know you can develop. And then the fishing comes on the back of that. 
but you have to have that bedrock of character story some kind of a conflict before you can really get anywhere with the fishing so miles i i think exactly what you just described is is why i really fell in you know essentially fell in love with the um the meat eater culture and what steve ranella and and you guys and the rest of the the group has has created is it too soon to get into what your relationship is or how how the story began with you getting into the meat eat, the meat eater um essentially network i mean hey it's it's your guys show it's not yeah, too soon for me sure. I'm, I'm, all, basically the way that happened was i was i was doing my thing i was uh i was working at gray's freelancing writing for tributaries teaching guiding uh i was doing a lot of things that I wanted to do. And I couldn't imagine myself leaving that setup because I'd worked really hard to get there until meteor called and said, Hey, we're starting this thing and we want you to spearhead the fishing department. And I, like you guys had a deep respect for what Steven Rinella did first as a writer and then as a, a host and producer of a show in hunting and had long felt like there was a need to progress fishing media away from where it was and to, and to figure out what fishing media would look like in a digital, like a purely digital form. Um, and so when that opportunity came up, it was just one that I couldn't really imagine turning down. Like that's not the kind of thing that comes along very often. Um, so I started at Meat Eater in 2019. Yeah. In 2019. Yeah. So, and and hit the ground running from there. Were were you already in Bozeman, Miles, when you started? The yeah, Meteor? I've been in Bozeman for almost twenty years. Okay, oh, so wow. what what do you feel the difference is between the the fishing crew, like the the fishing vibe of the dudes around you, from Bozeman to when you were up in Alaska or when you were out in Wisconsin with your uncles? You know what I mean? Uh, what what is the fishing vibe in Bozeman? And is that something that you, uh, that drives you or that you dig? I, I think that there was a time, uh, like when I first moved out here as a much younger man, where I cared a lot about being part of the fishing vibe in Bozeman and that that was important to me. Um, I don't, that's not so much something that occupies my time or my thoughts these days, honestly, like, I, the, the, the fishing culture is very cool in Bozeman in the sense that like it is the thing to be doing and if you're here you're, you're expected particularly if you're a, a young man and even young women which is great now but they're, like if you are of a certain presentation of self like you, you want to be that dirt bag sort of outdoorsy mountain 20 something you fly fish and I have no problem with that. I think that's great. I, I love seeing all these people digging on the sport and, and pushing it and making it cool. Um, but it's not a culture that I actively seek out. Like I'm, you know, I'm in my forties now I get kids and I'm married and like, I, I have a real job. So I, I don't spend my time like floating Maddie all day being like, bro, stream bite was so epic. Let's go to the bar and get hammered. <laughs> this is not my scene anymore. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm glad to know that they're still out there. And like, that was absolutely me at, at a certain time period in my life. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy to know that culture is alive and vibrant, but I think 
And I think I like to speak to those folks and I hope that they enjoy the things that I do. Um, and I hope that the, the media that I have created has inspired them in some way or another. But I also hope that like at some point they'll realize there's more to fly fishing than hucking meat and ripping it back as fast as you can. And no, there's not. <laughs> no, there's not. Bullshit. I don't think I don't know, man. Just, just I mean, hey. I'm, I'm hey, joking. I'm, I'm, it's it's a joke. Great. That was just like, a joke. I can, I can fish behind those guys all day and, and catch fish and not even worry about it. So that's that's great for me. Were, were you in the guide scene in Bozeman? Or did you... Oh, yeah, for a very long time. Okay. I was awesome. only I only got in Alaska for three seasons, and then I transitioned to being a full time guide in Bozeman and had my own guiding outfitting business here. And what which did you prefer more? What did you like guiding for someone in Alaska, or did you prefer being your own deal in Bozeman? Um, man, I know they... so I I miss and have always missed living where I got to live in Alaska, like living on the edge of Katmai National Park. And, and being in that kind of a wild place and immersed in that place as deeply as, as you had to be was, uh, was an experience I would never trade and, and I love. But, um, you know, I also missed sleeping in a bed and going on dates and eating food other than salmon. Those were things that I, I, I began to miss for sure. Uh, so it was a trade-off. You have to fish the, the big, big river with spinners for trout, right? The with the big big river? No, the Yellowstone. You have to go fish the Yellowstone now and again, right? Oh, I love the Yellowstone, man. Yellowstone's fucking amazing river. Obviously, you don't listen to Ben because he just said that two weeks ago. I don't <laughs> listen to any other podcast. I don't even listen to our podcast for God's sake, Chad. Who the fuck listens to this? Who who the hell listens to podcast anyway? <laughs> so Not me. Hopefully, lots of people. Hey, no, Miles. Uh, while you were talking about the place that you used to love to live up in Bristol Bay. Can we talk about the Pebble Mine for just a second? Please. Um, Amen. Can you get into a little bit of what we can do? Like, let's say you have some hicks from western Pennsylvania like us. Yeah. And at this current point in time, what can we do to help? You know, I wear my No Pebble Mine hat everywhere I go. <laughs> um, but I don't I don't know if I can do any more at the, at the current moment. Can you... Well, Please enlighten me. And let's enlighten start. Me. Let's start really back at the basics for the the people in Pennsylvania. Like, what the hell is Pebble Mine? Yes. Is that, is that where we're we're gonna start? Yeah. Yes, um, please. All right. So uh, the the Pebble Mine, it, the Pebble Deposit, is a a deposit at the headwaters of a significant portion of Bristol Bay uh, watersheds in Alaska. And and just to contextualize why that matters, you're talking about. Um, two river sheds that supply a huge percentage of the wild sockeye that are left on the planet. And the pebble deposit is just this massive, it's, it's the largest gold and, and, and a, a copper deposit that's ever been found in North America. It's, it's a massive, massive deposit of, of, of precious metals. They're not necessarily, it's not necessarily the highest quality ore, but there's a whole lot of it. And so uh, Northern Dynasty Minerals would really like to go in there and extract all of that precious and valuable ore and turn it into gold and copper that they could sell. The problem is that you're talking about an open pit sulfide mine. And, and I don't want to go too deep into the weeds here, but, but the, the short version of it is we've never had this kind of mine 
near a watershed that hasn't befouled it in history. It's we've never pulled this off. Right. So the, the mining companies can tell you, like, we got it figured, guys. We got it this time. This time it's really gonna work. All of our engineers have this figured the, out, the man. The track record doesn't speak for that. What, and what's the one in Colorado? About, the the Animus River? Yeah, that that was a that was a good one. That, that a, one worked out well. Yeah. Um, there are tons of fish in the Animus. You know, you're, you're gonna have massive tailing ponds that are going to be sitting very, very close to these watersheds in an area with a lot of seismic activity. And the only thing that's going to be preventing a complete contamination of these salmon runs uh, are going to be earthen dams. And I just, it's just not, it's just not a good idea. It's not worth it. And I want to be clear that I'm not anti-mining across the board. Like I wouldn't be talking on this phone or able to reuse these computers. We, We need metals to be able to function as a society. But the question is where we choose to do that and where we say like, yeah, it's not worth it here, at least not until we have a proven technology that we know is not going to fail. And we don't have that yet. And I'm not willing to gamble personally with the last holdout of wild sockeye in the world, not to mention the amazing trout fishing and, and the bears and all the other things that exist in that part of the world that would be threatened it, by, by this, this mine. There's and no, I can kind of go on and on and on about this. No, there's no, there's no the money. There's no uh, money that is worth that. There's no money that is worth that. It should never be touched. Let it be. Can't things just be let be once in a while? Like, personally, that's how I feel. Let it be. Well, yeah. It's, like, there's no amount of money. Like, I don't care problem. about... Dollar bills can't like, bring back things. Nope. You can't. You, you won't be able to recreate this. So... To, to follow up on your other question about what can we do, well, we're in a situation right now where um, the Army Corps of Engineers basically told the, the mining company, like, hold on, your permit application as it's written isn't going to work for us. Go back, try again. And so that process is happening right now, and they're about to resubmit that permit. Didn't, what didn't you can all do. Didn't they just uh, submit a... A, a, a contemporary um oh shit they just resubmitted their plan yeah some something uh i'm sorry i'm blanking on the word environmental impact statement yes yes that was... um and look <laughs> what we could all do is we can all call our, our representatives I am one of those annoying people at least annoying to my representatives who contacts them on a regular basis and it doesn't matter uh, what party affiliation they have. I am the guy who is consistently bugging my representatives by phone and by email and saying like, Hey, remember how you worked for me? Well, this is what I believe. And this is what's important to me. And I'd really like you to represent my interests, please. Um, and when, when they do things that I think are smart and good for anglers and, and hunters and conservation in general, I then follow up and say, thank you. Again, regardless of their political affiliation. Uh, and I think we all need to take responsibility for doing that. I think we're all understandably cynical. So like, yeah, they don't give a shit what we say. And that may be true, but it's still incumbent upon us to, to at least try and at least put what pressure we can uh, on our elected representatives. Because truth be told, guys, they really do work for us. In so w- we, need to, we need to enforce that. In Western Pennsylvania, our elected uh, official is Mike Kelly. He's a Republican, and I have called him five or six times 
and just express the same thoughts that you just did. And then when he emails me four weeks later, uh-huh. I email him. Thank you. You know? Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's all you can do. That's, that's how this, this, this democratic process works and it's messy. And it's also kind of beautiful. Uh, but we have access to our, to our representatives. And I think far too few of us take advantage of that. Yeah, at least we do. So, uh, Miles, we've had you on the phone for 40 minutes. We haven't talked about too much god-awful fun stuff like DOS Boat. Can we talk about that a little bit? <laughs> Absolutely. I um, love that show. Oh, my God. Miles, uh, I heard you say that Clyde was the inspiration for Toss, DOS Boat. 100% Clyde was the inspiration for DOS Boat. Uh, my buddy Blummers had Clyde for quite a while, and uh, I love that stuff. So, uh, Dude, I... I mean, do you know my history with Clyde? See, I don't see, know yours. I know, I know. You guys are all talking French now. This Drake French to everybody, okay? <laughs> nobody, you, nobody but up. the don't Drakeys. Worry. I understand what you guys are talking about, but nobody knows <laughs> who fucking Clyde is. So explain to us, you two Drakers. Uh, I, I'm, I'm very, very. I know all the Drake people. They basically take me in like I'm kin. But uh, Chad, Chad actually was on the forum. But uh, go ahead and explain your guys' selves and the Clyde thing. Ride with Clyde was a brilliant idea that uh, uh, Tom By, again, editor of Drake, and R.A. Biotti of Off the Grid Studios came up with. They bought a 1974 Mercury Marquee for one of the very early fly fishing film tour uh, videos. And the 1974 Mercury Marquee is a special, special vehicle. Y'all can look this up. Uh, it is the most sought after make and model of car for demolition derbies. <laughs> Perfect for a fly fishing is, enthusiast. Yeah. <laughs> it is a land tank. It is, it is, it is a brilliant automobile. And uh, Tom bought this with the idea, like they, they used it for the, the film, and then he was like, I got a great idea. I'm going to send this around to different fly fishing writers for like a, a, a year or two, and they'll each have an adventure in this car and they'll write a story about it. And I'll run a series in the magazine called ride with Clyde. And then, you know, two years down the road, we'll, we'll culminate and the series will end when we kill Clyde in the Jackson hole demolition derby. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> and then the next year, someone died in that demolition derby. And so it was permanently canceled. And so Tom's like, shit, I don't have an end to this series anymore, but I kind of like it, so I'm just going to keep it going. And and Clyde has been around the country numerous times and been on all kinds of adventures. And I got to take my own personal adventure with Clyde. I, this was written up in the Drake, but I can't remember when exactly, so I'm not going to say to go look at it. I'll just tell you the story now. Yeah, tell us the story. I picked, I picked it up in Boise from Ben Romans. And Ben was like, all right, look, man, I had a little incident and I locked the keys in the trunk when I was fishing with it and I couldn't get it open. And I called a locksmith and he came out. And he's like, look, man, I can charge you like 300 bucks and, and relock that. Or, and he like lifted up his shirt and he was carrying, he had like a pistol on. So he's like, I could just shoot it out for you for free. right now." <laughs> and, and Ben was like, yes, shoot that shit out. This is the story I want. So Locksmith shoots the, the trunk lock out and the the trunk still closes, but the only it has literally a bullet hole where the lock used to be, and the only way to open it is with a sharpened piece of rebar. 
you have to jam a sharpened piece of rebar into this bullet hole and <laughs> twist it, and then the trunk will open. All right, that's important context for the story. So I'm driving up to Bozeman from Boise, and I feel this, like, thump, and I figure I blew a tire, but I'm on a really busy highway with a narrow shoulder, and that car is, like, the size of a Sherman tank. So I pull it over to the, sh- to the shoulder, and I get out, but I'm, like, about to die from the oncoming traffic. And I look, and I still have four inflated tires. So I'm like, all right, I don't know what that was, but I guess I'm fine. And I keep going, but something ain't right. Something's clearly not right. And I'm driving down the highway, and on the far side of the highway, I see a highway patrolman in Idaho with somebody pulled over. And as I drive by, I just see his head turn and watch me go. <laughs> and I'm like, this probably isn't good. Uh, and, and within 10 minutes, he is on my tail. And he, like, tails me gets all up close and he comes up almost right up on my side. Like he's going to pass me and then he drops right back behind me. And we do this for a while and he finally throws on the cherries and pulls me over. Now I should, I should really give some context. Like everybody needs to understand that Clyde looks like a mobile meth lab. This is not a nice vehicle. And it's covered in stickers. It's falling apart. It's nasty. It's like rotting it's like from the inside out. The fuck? And, it's, and uh, it's been driven by a bunch of fly fishing guides, so I'm sure it smells really great as well. Smells really great, and yeah. I don't know what's in it. <laughs> like, I don't know what's hidden in that car or where. And I should also mention that at this point, I'm wearing a camouflage Waffle House t-shirt, which really didn't make me look any more trustworthy or legitimate. So you look like you belong in the meth lab. Pulls me over in Idaho again pretty conservative state and uh and the super buttoned up highway patrolman comes up on my on my side and i should also mention that i had my girlfriend at the time with me and uh and he he says uh excuse me sir do you know you have no tread on your left rear tire and we both were just like oh that's what that sound was like the cap on the tire had ripped off and we were just riding on the the inner tube essentially yeah. but it hadn't blown <laughs> you gatored it <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's what that was. Oh, yeah, no, I we heard that. We pulled, I tried to give him the story, and he's just not having it. He's like, all right, can I see your license of registration? And I pull it out, and I, I, at this point, I'm telling the story, like, listen, man, this is not my vehicle. I'm a writer on an assignment, and, like, this belongs to this guy, and he's just very skeptical of the whole thing. And he, he says, all right, sir, please come come follow me out of the car. So he takes me out to the back. And I sit on the on the trunk of the car, and I give him the whole story. And then he says, all right, I'm going to go uh, uh, talk to your passenger here. Please keep your hands where I can see them, which I do. I And and my, my girlfriend at the time corroborates the story, and that sort of de-escalates the tension, and, and things are seeming like they're fine. But then I find myself in a situation like, well, do you have a spare? And I'm like, it's right here in the – and I point to the trunk, and I realize I'm pointing to a bullet hole. In the back of the truck. And he looks at me again with skepticism, like, it's cool. I've got this piece of sharpened rebar in the back that I can open it with. So the opening paragraph of the story that I wrote from Drake is me reaching under the back seat of Clyde, trying to find a piece of sharpened rebar with a cop over my shoulder, being like bottle cap, bottle cap, bottle cap. I don't know what that is. Bottle cap. Oh, there's the sharpened rebar. Okay. 
and uh, it all worked out fine. Once he <laughs> oh, realized that we were we were legitimate, he was super cool and helped me change the tire, and even invited us to come fish <laughs> on his on his private pond at his house. But if we'd had a little more time, I would have taken him up on it. But it was not. I definitely thought I was going to jail. But you had mentioned that that is what had led to the the philosophy of Das Boot. Right. Oh, I mean, I thought it was a. I always thought that was a brilliant concept. No, and Clyde is awesome. Yeah, it travels yeah. around. Everyone does what they wish with Clyde, including making meth out of the back of it. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, exactly. something happened. And and so when I was trying to think of what the first big project I was going to do at Meteor was going to be, you know, we were just kicking around ideas, and and Clyde came up, and I thought, man, why can't we do that with a boat? And 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 it, it went from there because so many of us had our first sort of experience of the freedom of a boat when we were kids, and, and it was a shitty old aluminum boat. And oh that, yeah, that meant so bottom. much to you when you were a kid, you know, or when you were younger. Like, oh my god, someone that's just a shitty old boat, but to you, it's it's the ability to get off the shore and explore a whole new world. Miles, I'm 37. I have two of those. I love them. <laughs> exactly. I love them. They're those. Yeah. Are, those are Americana right there. Absolutely. I and grew up I walleye fishing on a like, little boat. It would have been two in the weeds in the show itself, but you're you're exactly right in that what those aluminum boats represent in terms of American fishing and recreation are, are so much more than what people realize because the whole aluminum boat industry came about after World War II. We had all of these aluminum manufacturers who had been making various munitions and 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 tanks and aircraft and other things for for the war effort and then the war was over but they still had all this infrastructure and this knowledge and they put it toward making boats and that's why you had this wellspring of small boat manufacturers in that era from like the 40s and 50s and 60s and and at that same time, right, you've got the the burgeoning economy and this interest in recreational fishing. All these things come together to create this golden era of, of fishing in the United States. And a lot of those boats are still out there. They're still around, man. So, Miles, uh, you you had your, your fingers into DOS Boat Season 1. Um, we didn't see you until DOS Boat Season 2. What What was your role in Season 1? What... What did you do? Um, I I know you. What, what what did you say it is you do here? What do I exactly? Do? I no, I'm kidding. No, I'm just I, trying to throw an office space reference at you. I drink beer. I drink beers and talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, no, man. I mean, that was my baby. It was. It was. I I, I came up with it. I wrote it. I produced it. I post produced it. Like I, I, it was. It was my brainchild, and uh. I didn't. Hey, I wait just one second. I heard a beer cracking. What was that? Correct. Uh, what am I drinking? This is a Lewis and Clark Brewing Company Prickly Pear Pale Ale. Oh, goddamn right. We're all mm-hmm. drinking Yinglings around here, so. Also <laughs> a delicious beer. <laughs> uh, it was the beer in the fridge. That's what I'm drinking. Goddamn right. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, the reason you didn't see me in front of the camera on the first season was that I. I don't know if I have a good answer to that other than I didn't feel the need to put myself in front of the camera. And I felt like I I had so much work to do just as a field producer that trying to then also do both of those things at once is really hard. 
and I wasn't in a position where I felt comfortable doing that. So I was field producing the episodes and, and helping to direct them. But uh, it wasn't until season two when, I mean, I just couldn't not be in the Big Mouth Buffalo episode because I was so, I still am so obsessed with those fish. I was like, I got dibs on this one. I was going to say, do this. That, that was one of my questions. Would you rather be behind the scenes or would you rather be on camera straightening hooks out on Big Mouth Buffalo? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'll, I'll put it this way. Like, I'm comfortable either way. I think that I have much more of a history as a behind the scenes kind of guy. And, and it's more important to me to be shaping the story and making sure everything comes together in the way that I, I wanted to and I needed to than being out front. But if it's if it makes the most sense for the piece that I'm putting together, I will I'll step in front of the camera when when that's the right choice to do. So now so, now that you've straightened hooks in front of all of God God in America on yeah. big, on Big Mouth Buffalo, mm-hmm. have you tied nymphs on heavier goddamn hooks? Dude, I did tie those on heavy hooks. That was the shitty thing. Come like, on, Miles. I, I have a plan. I have a plan. Are you not a carp fisherman? Come on. Oh, I am a carp fisherman. Those are much, much smaller flies than what you're going to throw for carp, man. Dude. We're not. We're talking about like size 18s and 16s. Like those things filter feed tiny little shit. Can Can I give you a, a hint? Bring it. Okay. Call my friend Dan Frazier. He will lead you in the right direction on what to throw for those big mouth buffalo because that dude catches them. That's amazing. He's in. Uh, I need to talk to. He's him. in South Dakota. He's a really okay. good guy and too. Yeah. That dude knows his shit. He sure does. So. I mean, I believe it, and. Yeah, go talk to Dan I, I, Frazier. I, I I hung out with the 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 dude who I think knows more about the fish as a species than anyone else alive. Yes, but you, doesn't know a doesn't know dick about catching them. <laughs> yeah from watching the episode yes that's what i could see he was definitely a scientist i, mean, I love alec he's he's you guys should all everyone actually should go read the paper that he wrote about those fish which is just that's how this whole thing started was when that paper came out and we all read it and and, and we did a piece on it for the the website and i was like holy shit these fish are amazing and nobody knows about this and how is it possible that we're into 2020, we have this very, very common native species that we don't know shit about. How did that happen? It's a, that's just mind blowing to me. Like I said, talk, talk to our boy, Dan Frazier. Uh, All right. he wrote the Orvis guide to carp on the fly. Oh, okay. That's why I know that name. Yeah. Yeah. That is. Um, but Hey, let so, we, so I have, I have no, I have a question real quick. Okay. So you work for meat eater and how, often are you harvesting something that you're going to catch and what like are you you know how are you cooking it and what are you doing with it sometimes yes and sometimes no so here's one thing that i have long thought uh that fishing culture particularly fly fishing culture but but lots of other fishing culture as well has been stuck in this dogma of catch and release and i I need to be i need to be clear and say that i have a I support catch and release. The reason we have so many thriving fisheries is because the concept of catch and release became something that we chose to do and, and, and it's worked out great, but it's gotten to the point where it's just a little fucking out of hand. Like people no longer would even imagine harvesting a fish. Like I can't imagine harvesting a fish. And to me, 
that is getting away from an understanding of what fishing is and what it does. And there are lots and lots of places where it's not just okay to harvest a fish. It's even like the biologists are begging people to harvest fish. And, mm-hmm. and this was something I came across a bunch when I was writing for, for the Drake and for Gray's and when I was doing the freelance thing, like I'd be down on the South Fork of the Snake and the biologists are like, please God, can we get people to keep these rainbows because they're a major problem here and they're messing up this cutthroat fishery that we've got and we want to get rid of them and we cannot convince people to keep rainbows. We're begging them. These fish are a problem. Kill the fucking rainbows and they won't do it. Same thing was going on on the Bighorn for a while. It's not the case right now, but for a while there, the biologists and the Bighorn were begging people to keep some brown trout. We have a stunted fisher here. We need help. Same thing was going on on the beaverhead. And so I feel like we got to this place where it became thoughtless. Catch and release became thoughtless. It wasn't something that we did out of a sense of conservation or being mindful or being smart. It was just what we did. And that bothered me. And so I think that, that harvest needs to come back into fishing, not across the board, not as this dogma of like, well, now we kill everything we catch. But if you're in a place that can responsibly sustain harvest, keep some damn fish and enjoy them, man. Like figure out how to clean them and cook them and take good care of them and feed yourself some, some like really good food that you went out and harvested on your own. No, I was just going to say the same thing, Chad. There's a time and a place for everything. I think, you know, Yeah. that's what you just explained to us. Basically. Go ahead, Chad. No, I, I have a pond right across the street from the house and, uh, my cousin caught a, like three and a half pound bass last week on a little bitty piece of pork chop. And, <laughs> and they're That's like, amazing. Continue. And he, but he wouldn't touch it. He, like, he wouldn't take a picture of it, like with it, like he wouldn't hold it. He's like, we're we going to keep it and we're going to eat it. I was like, you guys should really put this fucking fish back. You know, um, I'm like, while you guys think about it, I'm going to have this fish in the water and hold my thumb in its mouth, you know? <laughs> and then I'm going to let it go. Then, then I'm going to let it go when it, thrashes and say whoops you know lost it sorry i i think i'm you know what i mean um certain waterways like nobody's like my harvest a 37 inch muskie out of our water no i don't think so but you know some fish some along the lines yes yeah like i said smallmouth out of our waterway like a 13 incher i would love to eat that thing but Mm -hmm. but the three and a half pounder bass from the pond across the street uh-huh. that, that's my neighbor <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> so i i feel hard pressed to to put the the flay knife to that fish which i totally understand like i, I again i think the the problem is that it stopped being a conversation and stopped being thoughtful when we when we start just reacting because that's what we do We've given up any sense of agency or control over how we interact with our with our populations and our fisheries. And fishing can be a valuable resource for population control. Like anglers can do that, right? I'm not saying go out and kill a bunch of tarpon. That's a bad idea. Yes. Tarpon fisheries are not doing very well right now. Uh, I'm 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 also not advocating that people take fish irresponsibly and recklessly, but Dude, go whack some snakeheads. They're a problem, and they taste real good. Oh, go, th- go catch, go catch some mahi. Mahi reproduce very, very quickly, and they grow fast. 
you can't hardly knock those things down. Like, be smart about it. I'm not saying go fill your freezer, but go get a meal in a place where it's responsible to do so. Oh, we're, we're going to go there right now. We have uh, crappie and walleye that we do that with. You're, there you're, you go. Your boy Joe from the yeah. Bent, from the Bent Podcast is going to be pissed that you said uh, kill his snakehead, right? <laughs> oh, no, he killed the snakeheads. <laughs> I know. He, he lets some go, too, but he, he knows they're delicious. So but yes, he is the he's the snakehead advocate. Can you get into the Bent Podcast a little bit? Um, I would love to. I hope I hope uh, all three of your listeners go in and subscribe right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey Frank, and uh, what what's some of our other dudes? Um, uh, Dustin Hines. Yeah, Hines. Yeah. Uh, yeah um, <laughs> no, we're calling them out. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, Philadelphia. <laughs> uh, God, give me a. Joey Bag of Donuts. No, yeah, from Philadelphia. Joey, Joey Bag of Donuts. No. Phil Hank or Ed Hankinson. No. <laughs> uh, respect the Harvest. Nick. Our buddy Nick. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Everybody else. All right, go ahead now. So that, that's all four of our that, listeners. That's it. That's that's the only nice. guy. <laughs> nice. Well, I hope I hope all of them go in, and check out Ben. Uh, yeah, man. Like I've wanted to do a podcast for a really long time. I I am a huge listener of podcasts. I consume a ton of them. Um. And this is no this is no dog on the form right here, but I, I felt like it was a little bit of a crowded market with like the it no getting, it really is some people in a room and talking fishing kind of genre. I feel like that's been done. It, so uh, you know, it really we is to do something it, different, and it's it's becoming more crowded the more podcasts that come around. But uh, yeah. but the Bent Podcast it's a fast paced fast show with um it's very different. With one of my favorite characters. Can I talk about my favorite character? I, I'm, I'm assuming you're going to go with Bob G, and yes, you can. No, I'm going to go with Lance V. <laughs> That's my dude. <laughs> and I know you have total disdain for Lance V. Mm. Lance is a huge douche. Is he a, he, no is he a real it. person? He, he is a real person. Or is he like a character you guys made up? <laughs> Oh, like, I mean, I, I cannot. I, you're gonna have to figure that one out for yourself. Man. All right, I just want to know because if he's a real person, that's great. I always <laughs> like real people being the the villain more than a fucking fake guy. I I think I think you should listen for yourself and 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 you can determine. I don't listen whether, to podcasts. There, there's, there's a lot of contention and argument as to whether or not Lance V is real, and I, I kind of like it that way. I I uh, I got a little inside Iggy. He's real. <laughs> And uh, and he's contentious in real life as well. <laughs> yeah, Chad told me he was a douche. Wait, and, no, I don't know him in real life. But uh, you can tell him that. <laughs> oh, he, he don't care. No, I know. Care, but yeah, I'll pass it along. But I, I, I definitely, um, hey, I listen to a show every week. <laughs> it's like Howard Stern. He does. If you, does if have you hate show. him, you're gonna listen more, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but Lance, he is a, he, he is a polarizing figure. Lance V is my character. Lance V is fun. Um, yeah, we we've had fun with the, with the Lance V shtick, and yeah, I mean, look, how can you not want to make fun of internet fishing culture? It's just so easy and so ripe. It's awful. It's fucking yeah. awful. I hate it, dude. I hate it so bad. But what what brought about the Bent Podcast? Um, and how we talked to Joe. 
there's a lot of shit that goes into the show that that we don't see on Friday mornings when it gets posted. No, man, it's it's uh it's a lot of work. Yeah. It's a lot of work. And, and like you said, you've never you don't see Joe face to face. And from the sounds of the show, you guys are in the same room, you know what I mean? Yeah, it sounds great. Joe and I work really well together and I'm I'm look, the the truth is when I was hired at Meat Eater and and they said if you could bring anybody on to help you with this fish department, who would it be? I was like, Joe Cermelli, but there ain't no fucking way we're getting him. And we did, which was amazing. And I've known Joe for a long time. I've respected Joe for, like, we've had mutual respect for one another for a long time and sort of sat at these older, um, very long-standing publications as the respective fishing editors going like, man, this is amazing, but I wish we could do something a little more contemporary. Uh, and, and this, this, op- this is the opportunity where we get to do that. And bent is a, it's kind of like a punk rock variety show for fishing. Everything happens pretty quick. We, we try not to have any segments other than our, our anchor segment, which is fish news go on for too terribly long. We try to bring in a bunch of different voices, a bunch of different topics. Uh, and it, it's all just tangentially fishing related, but it is a celebration of fishing culture and the fishing experience. And that's what I don't think anybody else has really done before. It's not a fly fishing show. It's not a bass fishing show. It is, it is for anybody who is even like angling curious and wants to be entertained and informed at the same time. It is. Um, And that's, that's what we, that's what we're going for. That's how I would describe it to anyone that I get to talk to. I, honest to God, I talk to truck drivers every day and yeah, I get truck drivers come up and say, oh, let me see what you caught this weekend, you know? And I'll show yeah. them pictures of fish. And I say, hey, you should listen to this show because they're geared toward everybody. You know what I mean? Unlike our show, which is geared toward fly fishing-centric people. And look, man, you're smart because you, you want to know there are two places where, where there's money in fishing, and that's fly fishing or bass fishing. So you got to pick one or the other. Otherwise, you're not getting anywhere. Yeah, man. Uh, we've been trying to get our ladies to take fish bra pictures, but they're not doing that. Oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. No. Got to go to for that, I think. Yeah. They, they, don't, they don't want any part of that. They're like, fuck yeah. you guys. So, Miles, uh, you were mule deer hunting last week. Um, I was. Were you always a hunter? Or when did that come about in your, in your lexicon? So, I didn't grow up hunting because... Again, I growing up, not to say there isn't a hunting culture in Hawaii, there is, but I grew up on Oahu where there's far less of a hunting culture. Um, and I did not come from a hunting family whatsoever. I was a little, a little bit later to it. It was when I was living in Montana and part of the fishing scene out here. Right. And, and there's so much overlap with hunting. And for me, my best fishing buddy was really, really into hunting. And I was, I was like, yeah, man, I've never, never done that. I don't think that's my thing. But we, we got, we had so much in common and we had so many good conversations and he kept saying like, I think that you will like knowing the way that you fish, I think you will enjoy this. And I initially got into it really just for the meat. If I'm going to be honest, uh, I was, I was like, man, I, I, I love to eat meat. I think meat mm-hmm. is amazing and Amen. I'm not a huge fan. In fact, I'm actively not a fan of, of most of the ways that we're doing industrial, uh, 
uh, industrial meat production. I think it's pretty problematic, but I don't want to stop eating meat. So maybe I'll, I'll get into this hunting thing and figure out about harvesting my own meat. And it turned out that he was right. I very much enjoyed it. And uh, it became not all consuming, but significantly consuming in, in my 20s. And I just I hunted as much as I could and fished as much as I could. And that became a big part of, of who I am and what I do. I still love it. And I, I swore like I said, it was like, I'm never going to be a, one of those horn hunters, man. I'm just in it for the food. And that fell away within like five years. And, and now I'm totally <laughs> one of those guys who's like, yeah, I'm away for the big buck. And, and I know that's obnoxious and I still will meat hunt because I want to fill my freezer, but I've also gotten into the pursuit element of it, which is where it kind of crosses over with fishing, right? My favorite kind of fishing is spotting fish, not catching a fish, but catching that fish, oh, finding we... a fish, figuring mm-hmm. out what it's doing, getting in position, catching that fish. And hunting is very much like that. Amen. We're out there for the fish. But you were talking about the hunting, man, and you know the wow, the passing up of of some horns and man, do you uh, do you shoot them? Are you archery hunting, or are you have you got into that now? I have, I have. I'm not, and and I will be the first to admit. Like I try to be honest about what my own limitations are i'm not a great i wouldn't even say i'm a great hunter again because i came to it relatively late in life and i didn't grow up with it um I'm, I've, I've learned a lot and and the learning process is fun for me i'm even more of an obvious archery hunter but i i do enjoy that archery is one of those things where like for me this year for example i didn't archery hunt at all so so busy with work that i didn't have time to practice and the thing about shooting with a bow is that if you if you're not dialed in, if you're not entirely confident, there's a really good chance that you're just going to wound an animal. And that's just not something that I, like if you do that on accident and you've done your due diligence and you practice and you've worked hard and you fuck up and you wound something, you can live with that. But if you mm. don't prepare yourself and then you go out with your bow and you fuck up and you wound something, then you're an asshole. And I just didn't want to be an asshole this year. No, that's no, that's amen. That's, that's commendable. Yeah, so, Miles. Uh, my most recent mule deer hunt was a rifle hunt. Very good. Yeah, Miles, I I can uh, I can relate to what you're saying. I grew up in Western Pennsylvania and in a hunting culture, and as a young teenager, I I hunted and I I enjoyed it. But I also, as as I grew into my later teens and my twenties, I started to maybe not appreciate the hunting culture as much, and I and I didn't hide, hunt for quite a few years, and then. As I grew into a, my later twenties and I had some children, I was I was interested in in getting some meat, you know, and and I was interested in my diet, and I also saw a lot of problem problems in industrial farming, and you know the just the way that you know industrial cattle raising and and the way that pigs were raised in the Carolinas and everything, it created a lot of problems, mm-hmm. so. The same, I you know, I wanted to hunt for meat, and I wanted to hunt to fill the freezer, and I and I've gotten back into it and pretty passionate about it over the last couple of years, and I got my first elk in Wyoming just this year. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it was pretty amazing. Oh, and, and an elk, like a buck too. 
Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, a young bull, like but it, a yeah. Buck elk. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know bull elk. I don't know any of this shit. God, I'm a, I'm a fly fisherman for God's sake. I'm not a fucking hunter. Uh, yeah. I don't even no one's hunt. judging. No yeah. one's judging. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, so I got a we got a young bull and brought it home and filled the freezer and we had a I shared a steak with the guys tonight and it was you know it's just like it was the greatest, delicious the greatest oh, food on amazing. earth amazing. Uh-huh. It's so good. It's yeah, so good. It's so good. Uh, and so, and it's helped me learn to be a better cook. And and I I love to cook. I've always loved to cook. But figuring out how to do wild game well has been man, it's been so much fun. And but that's not so wild it, game. It's just great. Well, it is. So, yeah. Um. So Miles, I I've seen you out shooting geese with cow, mm-hmm. and then in the latest meteor uh, production, you were out. Fish or uh, ice fishing with Cal. Uh, mm-hmm. Are you guys like really good friends offline? Like, yeah. When you're yeah, not Cal's like is, on, is legitimately on a homie. He's a good dude. <laughs> I I'm definitely trying to mimic my uh, my mustache after him. <laughs> <laughs> no no one no one can can recreate Cal's stash. It is unique and one of a kind. It I'm is. Sorry to tell you. His hair's as red as his stash, isn't it? He doesn't have any hair. He doesn't. He's bald as a cue ball man yeah completely <laughs> it just doesn't he grow just, he, he channels all of his hair growth right into his upper lip oh no shit and it's just red as a fucking shit so <laughs> holy hell what an irishman let let's Indeed, talk. that he is let's, <laughs> hey let's talk about that uh that l- latter uh time that i saw you on screen uh in the fur hat fishing tour the fur hat ice tour yeah it the is fur hat uh, ice tour. releasing yeah. right now that was uh, the project we worked on all last winter, and I will be completely honest, like, I ice fish a little bit, but I've never been, that's, again, grew up in Hawaii, not much of an ice fishing culture <laughs> no, there. Everyone's no, going to no. be shocked to know. But I, I, I've done I've done it some since I came to Montana. I, I will admit that I initially thought it was just an excuse to drink whiskey. I have since learned that that's not the only reason to go ice fishing. It's the main um, reason to go ice fishing. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a bonus, and it's beautiful, but there, there's, there are other reasons to go. Um, but really what happened was early on in my meteor days, Steve called me and was like, Hey man, I want to do an ice fishing show. Can you do that? And I was a brand new hire on there. And I was like, sure I can. And I hung up the phone. I was like, fuck, how do I make an ice fishing show interesting? Because you don't, this is not the kind of thing you, that, that many of your listeners would probably think about. But when you're doing fly fishing or open water fishing, and you're doing a video. There's a lot of dynamic shit going on that you can make it look interesting and pretty with. When you're ice fishing, it's just visually, white. there's not much to go on, man. Yeah, It's like a hole in the water and a, a, a little tiny rod. That's all you got. So from a writing and storytelling standpoint, uh, it was one of the most significant challenges I've, I've, I've had in my career. So- and I think it came out pretty, pretty well. I'm pretty proud of what we put together. As of as of this time that we're recording right now, there's two episodes out. Yes. And the first episode was Steve and um, a lady. Tracy. That, Tracy, a lady that works at the Mediator. Uh, yeah. That was a good one, and they they went pond hopping looking for different panfish. Yep. And then the second one was you and Cal going to a an upland or a in. An up elevation lake. A high mountain lake is what you're looking for. Looking for uh, cod. 
um, Burbit. Burbit. Burbit, yeah. Yep. And both were successful. Yeah. Yeah. Shockingly. And there's so much more to that episode that, that, that didn't make the cut, unfortunately. First I, of all, what you don't see is that it was it was like 30 below when we were out there sleeping on the ice. No, we, you could, our, our, our whiskey froze solid. That's you could how see Cal's was. mustache was like hanging. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it was... It was so cold. Like we had, and, and I'm, I live in Montana. I'm used to being cold, but it was like, it was, it was next level freaking Arctic. The, the locals in the small town near where we were, which I can't give away because I'm sworn to secrecy yeah. on this, but they saw mm-hmm. our, our rigs parked there and they all thought we were dead. Like when we came to town <laughs> four days later, like, oh, that was you guys? We were about to call search and rescue on you. We figured you were dead. <laughs> well, I'm glad you didn't call search and rescue. So we weren't. Were you sleeping on the lake? Like, actually, yeah. on the lake? Yes. Wow. Can you have there, over... There was no, like, behind-the-scenes lodge there. We lived in those ice shelters for four days. Can you have a fire? Like, an open fire? No. There's no fire. Why? You can't have an open fire? Jesus fuck Christ. <laughs> so, how'd you, you stay warm? Dude, did, did you just, like, cuddle nope. next to your friends? Like, I know, Chad and I, we like to cuddle. Like, we'll get close. Like, he'll... Uh, Cal's a little dude. He, he'll he back his ass up, and we and Chad will we'll, we'll generate some heat together. I mean, in what happens situation. in the ice shanty stays in the ice shanty, so I'm not going to betray <laughs> okay, that. Okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What goes on fishing trips doesn't leave. It's, yep. it's sacred. Those yep. are sacred time. Yep, absolutely. You got it. All so, right. So how was the burbot liver? It was really good. Compared like, to no the shit. rest of that the burbot. a lie. Uh, it was, it, I will definitely eat bourbon. So have you guys ever had like a sushi restaurant? Have you ever had uni? Uh, dude, we live We're in not a, very cultured, dude. We live in Western <laughs> Pennsylvania. Uh, it's, it's not I'm the, the Mecca. That's the only for, thing I can compare it to, right? Drink, and, and uni is sea urchin row. Okay. And that's what I thought. it's like super rich and buttery and delicious when it's fresh. Hmm. And I felt like the bourbon liver, that was what it reminded me of. It reminded me of uni. So anybody who's listening has had uni. Burbot liver's kind of like that. Okay. Did and did you cook it? Yeah, yeah. You 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 want so if you if you were lucky enough to get yourself a burbot, which everybody should go do because they're really really good. Uh, the the meat is very much like cod, <clears throat> super flaky, mm-hmm. big flakes, white fish. Mm-hmm. The the liver is huge. It's ten percent of their body weight. What you can, what you do is you you slice it super thin, and then you sear it in a hot and dry pan and the dry part is critical because the, the liver is pretty much just pure fat. So if you put fat in the pan, you're basically just going to boil it in oil. But if you just put it in a dry pan, it, it releases its own fat and it, it, it sears in there and it's really good. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Yeah. It's uh, I do recommend it. It's, it's very rich. You can't eat too much in a sitting or I wouldn't recommend it, but it's really tasty. Uh-huh. So, hey, we've been talking to you for, it's got to be, I don't know, oh, God damn, who, who knows how long, an hour and a half Feels now? like ages. It does <laughs> feel like ages. Is there anything that we haven't touched on that you really want to, you know, hit on before we leave the podcast here? Oh, man. I didn't, I didn't come in with a page and a half of notes. I should have. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I hope that, uh, what I hope that we're doing in terms of the work that, that we're putting together is that we're opening up a space where people who are 
interested in fishing of all different types and and aren't are kind of sick of being siloed into like i talk about fly fishing or i talk about this kind of fishing uh we we are trying really hard to create a space that is open and accepting of all anglers no matter what your background is no matter what your style is no matter what your experience level is and i don't know that there are too many other folks that have pulled that off in fishing media at least not lately and i think it's i think that's sad and i think there's there's a gap there in fishing media um and the other thing man is you guys do not suffer from this problem but so much of fishing media fly fishing media especially takes itself so damn seriously and this mm-hmm. is all supposed to be fun. It is like, fun. Not that's often. why we're here. Yes. <laughs> yes. Wait. That's that's what I pride myself the most on, Miles. In this whole shit show of the podcast, <laughs> we like to have a goddamn good time. He, so Chad. So Chad even said no. Chad even said before we started this podcast, he's like, when Jason, who's my myself, Jay. They call me Jay, but Jason. And his dad get on the raft together. They put their fucking game faces on, and they they you know we we really we no we get at it like me and him when we get on the boat together we get the fuck at it like hey, there's no fucking around like you got to get at it because dad not dad's gonna fucking cheer did bass out <laughs> so but like when Chad gets on the boat with me even my dad and I now everything becomes fun now it's all the for fun of everything and. Like it, it, there's, there's, there's a lot of, uh, it's, it's fun around here on the SVS side of things. As well, it should be. And look, Jay, sometimes people have fun by getting serious, and I respect that too. That's totally uh, fine. The, the deal is like, it's, it's when <clears throat> other people start, when people start telling other people how they're supposed to enjoy their fishing, then I think you cross the line. I think that's where it becomes a problem. Amen. You know dude. what? We, Amen to that, please. We have a dude on our podcast normally. He's Adam right now is sitting in his seat. Who's a goddamn pinner? You know what I mean? Oh, he, yeah. He's yeah. a pinner, and we love yeah. the dude to death. Oh, he's a, he's a great fisherman. But, you know what Period. I mean? Period. He's our best, he's one of our best friends. And Absolutely. We can't. We can't kick him out of the podcast because he's a goddamn pinner. That'd be racist. You don't want to be that guy. Pinnipeds yeah. have feelings too. But you know what? He's he's slowly converting over to the fly fishing world. More, 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 more. Every time he goes, he even he caught his first fish on the Niagara River. Which yeah, I don't know mm. if you know the Niagara. Uh, at, yep, and he yep. caught he caught his not he caught his first fish on the fly rod there because he always pins there, and it was a giant 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 brown. It was a twenty eight inch twenty eight inch brown trout for Holy sure. Shit, like all 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 of uh, female. It was fucking giant giant giant. Miles, I'll send you a picture after we're done. I, I caught one. I caught one in the. Rod, he should stop right now. I caught one in the away. same exact spot on a fly rod, and it was a male, and it was just you know what? It was a half inch bigger. Because he's gonna tell me his fish was bigger. He said he was gonna blow his fish up and put it over top of the fish I caught there. I caught a male with a big old kite, but it, 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 it was nonetheless. But uh, awesome for him to be doing that, you know, and it. it, it it doesn't matter what kind of fishing you're doing, as long as you're out there and having a good time and having fun doing it and being a, cons- a conservationist while you're doing it, I think is more important than anything. As long as you're being ethical and responsible, like uh, you're good with me. Hey, don't my- don't be a dick. 
and we're good. Miles, um, one more thing before we let you get going. Um, you have a thing going on on the Bent Podcast right now where people are sending in funny pictures of their friends fishing, right? Or, uh, and themselves. And it doesn't themselves. Have to be your friends. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. We, we are accepting. We have a new segment called Awkward Moments in Angling. And, I mean, come on. Who doesn't have <laughs> terrible photos of themselves trying to pull off a grip and grin? Like, it is, it is one of the most ripe genres of photography to make fun of that I can imagine. And we started by making fun of ourselves. And now we have opened it up. And anybody who wants to send us their most awkward photo. And wh- where would they it, send the email to? The, you can send it to bent, B-E-N-T, at themeateater.com. And, uh, hey, if you, if you send us a good one, we will make fun of you on the air hey, in, in the best possible way. Miles, please look. There is one from the SVS Fishing Podcast. I, I saw that come through, and I haven't had a chance to open it, but I look forward to checking it out. Yeah, you should. It's it's right up. It's top top notch. Hopefully, it's me. No, it's not you. Ah, oh, damn it! It's, we, it's Urban Fly uh, Company a, holding up. Oh, that's even better. I oh, you have to. So we started to. off with Joe, and then we went with me, and there was a, a week of gap while we got some things together. But on Friday, we've got the first listener submission uh, that we're going to be be uh, grilling publicly and, and i hope you guys tune in and enjoy it because it's a pretty good one <laughs> hey i always tune in on fridays um hey miles we don't want to keep you any later on a on a wednesday night or whatever tuesday yeah, I can't night. Go home my night. Life and kids too. yeah um is there anything that we haven't touched on that you would like to no i think you i think you guys did a hell of a job hey I thank think, you I, very I much think, i think you did great no i appreciate it man uh, i really appreciate you guys having me on and, and shooting shit and and listen to Whatever the hell it is I said for the last hour and a half. Hey, now that I have your phone number, I'm going to text you all the time. Hey, <laughs> you know where to find me. As long, as long as they're good texts and they make me laugh, I will respond. Good deal, bro. Hey, thank you so much. This has been so much fun, man. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Appreciate Miles. It. Chad? They say Taylor was a good girl, never want to be late, complain, express ideas in her brain. I knew a girl in college, his name was Taylor, but she washed dishes. She was always late. Jack Johnson was totally wrong. So, yeah, well, Jack Johnson in college, yeah. It was like Dave Matthews in college. But, uh, that was our first, that was in my I wedding have one, song. Wedding song so, with Jack Johnson. Miles Nolte, what a great guest. That was a fun, yeah, was fun, fun talk. <laughs> I'll tell you what, you guys have just stepped it up to another level. That was an epic guest. Oh, you you should hear some of the other podcasts. We have some epic guests. I know all the time, you do. I know you do. And especially in the fly fishing in in our community, that's a right. somebody that's in the media more than Miles is in the media. We right. we, we you know, I know you guys have had upper echelon fly fishing guides. You know, everywhere. people from in everywhere. The, in yes, the community. absolutely. But Kelly, what's Kelly's name? Gallup. In Montana, yeah. Absolutely. Kelly Gallup, obviously. I know. Dude, I mean, dude, I my brother in law got to meet Kelly Gallup. Yeah, he I got did. to meet Kelly. He walked yeah. in and Kelly was sitting there. At think, the, 
Did you say what's Kelly's name? What's, yeah. what's Kelly's name? Yeah, that Kelly guy. <laughs> yeah, Kelly Kelly guy's guy, yeah, yeah. He was gonna go catch some dinner. Yeah, I was like, hey, what's up? Hey, Kelly. Nice to meet you. What's going on, buddy? Yeah. No, that would be so cool to not be so caught up in it. You know, like no me, he I was, was good, like, he was a good bullshitter. He was a good storyteller. Like, oh, dude, yeah. we were like our guides were like pulling us away. Yeah, you know what I mean. I wish I was so caught up, not caught up in it, that I would say, "What was Kelly's last name?" Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I say that, and then I went to a fly fishing shop in uh, in Pinedale, Wyoming, and the first flies I look at, it was like sex dungeons. And like, what's it like, gallops? This yeah. and that, yeah. So I was like, "Oh shit, that guy really." Oh was. yeah, no, no. no that dude, when we got real, when we that got a real deal. Yeah. When we got a, a guided trip from there, it was no, yeah. it was this real deal. Is what I know yeah. it should be real deal. That was, and they were two of the best guides I could. I dude, yeah. what he just explained to us was like, "Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna rip streamers through the mat, bro." <laughs> That's what I wanted to do, bro. Like. I want to rip streamers to the mad, bro, and have a good time, bro, and like catch a million fish and then drink a beer afterwards, bro. Yeah. Like, but the difference, like, I mean, honestly, the difference, like he described our trip. Yeah. Yeah. And the difference between Kelly Gallup and Miles Nolte is just that the, the way that Meat Eater reaches a, a really broad audience, including does, myself. Yeah, including my, yourself, you know, I'm myself. Not a, I'm not an avid fisherman. I'm not, you know, I wouldn't even call myself a fisherman, period. I'm just recreational outdoorsman. But, like, I don't fish a whole lot. But, man, to just... But the, you know somebody who does. I know, yeah, I mean, I have ties to it. I grew up doing a little fishing, but not, not much. Well, even now. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. When I'm like, hey, bro, let's go fishing. Yeah, I mean, I can, <laughs> like, you know, hey, I can throw some fly line. And... Well, I, I, I even, like, well, me and you went up to camp. It was a fun time. Yeah, that's cool, man, getting those native brookies. You were like, that's fun. Hey, this is fun. Or even even the fall fish and them biting and whatever. It was it was, it was was fun. It was mm-hmm. fun. My dog was out with us and shit. It was, yeah. it was fun. We were walking through the woods, man. Oh, yeah. You're man. walking through the woods. Yeah. Any There's way nothing just... else there. Exactly. Just you and the woods and having fun. Any way to just get outdoors and then to interact with it and to learn about it. And, uh, you know, like, oh, these are native fish in this in this stream and in, in this western Pennsylvania creek. It's cool. Even that, just fish in general. Mm-hmm. Who cares if it's all native? Like, I, I'm, I'm starting to find myself falling away from the thought process of nativeness because we're we are a part of nature right so if we put something somewhere else it's it's like nature yeah it is nature i get what you're saying because we're part of nature just transplanted via like seriously we yeah. we're part of we're part of the ecosystem we hold ourselves so on a, such a fucking pedestal above all these other animals that we hold ourselves above nature, and when we re, when we put something somewhere else where it wasn't supposed to be, maybe originally, that's nature. That's actually nature. What'd you say, you hippie? <laughs> I know I'm talking like a fucking hippie right now, but but I, you know, when you think about it that way, like we're no better than the deer, we're no better than any other animal out here. So when we Put something somewhere like now the brown trout here. They're basically might as well be fucking natural here. They're not. They're not. I they're un- not. I I fucking get it, Chad. I understand this, Chad. I get it. They're not. They're not native. I get it. But we're 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 stalking over native and all. But dude, really, are we? 
Yeah. No, <laughs> no, no, we're not because we're part of fucking nature itself. We are not like we don't hold yourself so fucking above everything that you think you're fucking a god or some shit. No, it's not. It's it's us. It, it, you're no. thinking you're a god. No, it's not, no, not not, not okay to put wild. You can put fish or, wherever the fuck you want to put them. No, you can't. Yes, you can. We're part of nature. Well, you can, but they're not going to be... We are part native. of nature. And can, yes, I get this, but... It, you but, can put fish wherever the fuck you want, but, but they're not going to cer- be native. I get it, but I, I get it, but at a well, certain point... One, but at a certain point, it's like... No, it's not... What the fuck's it matter? It matters. I, think one I don't 100%. think it does. I don't think it does. Because you're a fucking asshole. No, no, <laughs> because we're part of nature, dude. No. I think, I think yes, one, we are. I think one telling feature is that if the fish can't reproduce and sustain it, and you know, sustain a population in a given so space. So the brown trout here, they're not native. They're, they're fine though. They're fine. I'm they're not cool. saying it cool. they native. Here. I'm not Let saying that's be here. the definition. They're of here. Native. They're wild, but they're not yes, native. Yes, they're wild. So they're let wild. them be. So let them be. No, fuck them. No, that no, that's not cool, man. <laughs> but because you like them, have some fucking so lily. What's the difference between them and a carp? I love the carp too. No, what's the difference? It doesn't matter. No, the, the only reason that matters is because carp can produce by the fucking bajillions and take over a river like ours, which doesn't matter to me because there's still a billion fucking smallmouth. So I don't care. Have the carp, Chad. I love the carp. Let them all be here. It no. doesn't matter to me. They're 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 native now. They're basically they're might as well be not even a native fish, but they're still just gonna be a fish that's never gonna ever get taken away from here. So but they're just never accept be, it. They're never gonna be native. So just accept it. So I have ever. a funny. I never have a funny ever. I have a funny story. The brown trout are cool here. They're awesome. Let's keep them all. Anyway, I have a great story. So on the way up there, where? On the way up to the Niagara, I get a phone call. Brian and I got a piss. This is from my dad coming in the truck behind me and PJ. (laughs) I'm riding with PJ because we all, you know, everybody needs somebody to fucking ride with, right? No one drives themselves. You're not going to ride by yourself. So I'm riding with PJ. Dad's riding with his buddy. We get a piss. All right. I got another phone. I need to stop Silver Creek. He'll be all right till we get to fucking 90, like the fucking Angora thing. You know, like the... To the crossover. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be all right. Another call. He's not going to be okay. <laughs> like, he's going to be fine, all right? He didn't just tell him either piss himself or not piss himself. What the fuck is going on here? Like, he's going to be fine. So, we get off at that exit. Fuck it, dude. He got to go so bad. He pisses right next to the truck. The three, the rest of us walk into the place like we're not heathens and piss in the fucking pisser. Because at this point, I'm Muslim fucking breakfast. Have, have you ever been to that, to that rest area? Yeah, with the the walkway over yeah, the yeah, over yeah, I ninety. Exactly. It's I ninety. Yeah, but it's east or uh, it's Angora, east and westbound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Both get to to go there, but you both have to walk over the over the bridge. The aqueduct over the the road. Yeah. yeah. So you get to watch like all the fucking semis going there. Oh yeah. Yeah. You get there. the moon tractor trailer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so <laughs> going east and westbound. So that old man <laughs> is pissing in the fucking uh, in the parking uh, lot. in the parking lot. So yeah. so he. Okay. I started he to do that a he lot pees more. In, he pees in the parking lot. We all walk in. We pee. We come back out. Nothing's open yet. It's way early, you know. Way early in the morning. It's like three in the morning. That's definitely Dude. a good time to pee in so the parking lot. So, he locks his keys. 
the fob. The fob that he grabbed was the wrong fob that was like His battery dead. No battery dead. There were two fobs. One worked, one didn't. He grabbed the one that didn't work. Got out of the truck. Truck doors locked. Hey. Oh, I'm spilling more beer. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Chad. That's that's not good. Okay, we're gonna keep going back to the story. So, the fob, the fob doesn't. It's not working. So, you know, you know how like in uh, like trucks where like you can open the back window, but it's only like it only opens on like the hinging little like tiny point. Like, like it only opens slider. like yeah, like the slider. old like slider window. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Chad? Yeah, my S10 was like that. Yeah, you, you, like, you have the click little thing, and it opens up. Well, he had that thing opened only on his side. So immediately, you know, the engineer and fucking PJ, he's about to call fucking, uh, what's that? Triple A. Triple A, there you go. And they would take forever to get there, and everything was, you know, come on. They want to call Triple A, right? We're like, oh, we're we're all, you know. And everybody, you know, there was one engineer there. PJ's an engineer. Now there are three, four engineers, right? So we take this fucking, he has a wooden hanger. Okay? We take the wooden hanger. We try that on the end of a pole of a, uh, of a, of a net. And, and it, it's holding us out too far, you know, because of the, the, the wooden round dowel in the middle of the wooden hanger. Mike, so we pull that thing out, and we're like, all right, I'm thinking about it, thinking about it. I fucking snap off the wooden dowel. I'm like, fuck that noise. We don't need that thing there. And I put this thing uh, on the uh, actual, you know, the net now. So the end of the net, you know, we have it all extended. I he I'm up standing on the uh, cause you know Brian's little ass his fucking truck is giant Brian's truck's like a fucking giant truck and he's a little midget guy so he has like the step side things you know you have to step on the thing to get in the truck cause you have to have him cause he's fucking a little midget he's fucking tiny he's like PJ he's a little midget guy so he's actually Brian's actually holding my ass up you know on the backside, uh, he's holding my bass up on his fucking thing, on his, on his, on his like, walk side things. Whatever, what, what do you call those? Step sides? Running boards. Running boards. boards. There you go. The running boards. So I'm, ho- I'm sitting up on the running boards. We broke the dowel rod off the thing and remanufactured it to work. I get down there. I'm fucking grinding in. I've, I've, I have popped many, many. I've, I've run them through the... Uh, I've popped plenty of fucking... My, door locks. Oh, door. Yeah, especially on my fucking Sunfire. Like, 1,800 times. I had a broken spot on my fucking, you know, the the fucking shit. The door seal. Yeah, the seal yeah. just to fucking, yeah, exactly. But this one, all the way through the back window, dude, pull it through. Dad's telling me where to put it, dude. I got the, we got the fucking lights on from our fucking, uh, our headlight lamps on through that bitch. Pow, dude, doing a, I pound this thing. It opens the fucking shit up, and I'm like, no fucking way. All the video games now that I played as a kid that you bitched at me about, Dad, that came through today. <laughs> <laughs> All those videos, that was awesome, but 
we thought we were going to be way later than we were going to be. You know, when when somebody tells you, like, all their fucking shits. Oh, now our shits uh, it locked in my car, in the car. And now, now all of a sudden, everybody becomes engineers really fucking quick. Everybody becomes, becomes MacGyver real fast. We're like, do you have tape? And then, dude, uh, PG had packing tape in the back of his fucking car for some god awful reason. Who knows why? I don't want to know why. Because it came in handy. Dude, we wrapped about 75 wraps of fucking packing tape around a fucking wooden hanger on the end of a fucking uh, a, a net pole, a netting pole. We pulled the net off the pole and then put the fucking that shit on the end of it. Stuffed it in this little fucking gap in a window and popped a, popped a fucking, you know... Pop the unlocker, and I'm like, oh no, we didn't just do that. At 3 a.m., I'm dabbed out. I'm ready to fuck kill somebody. Dabbed out. Oh, it was awesome. It was awesome. God, thank you for that moment. It could have been worse. We could have had to wait for like three hours for fucking, uh, what's that, AAA. All right, but, boys. Uh, all right. Good podcast, everybody. I love you, Chad. We are brought to you by Yay. Predator Fly Gear. Yeti you can find it at PredatorFlyGear.com. Yeti built for the wild. Hey, tonight's show has been brought to you live at the Urban Fly Company studios. Check them out at UrbanFlyCompany.com. Hey, survived some really, really hectic uh, weather this weekend in my Sims gear. Uh, you know, fish it well. SimsFishing.com. Hey, check out A-Rex Hooks. All Mark's flies from Urban Fly Company are tied on A-Rex hooks. And check out Queen City Guiding. Our boy Ryan Evans will hook you up at queencityguiding.com. Why not fishing? And they're at the dock. And our guest from the meat eater, Miles Nolte.